in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome on in. It's good to be here. It's good to sit down on this Tuesday evening and record this podcast, Mitch. Uh, A wonderful weekend of NFL playoffs, four divisional games uh, that were all pretty good and really compelling. And ultimately, four teams remaining in the hunt for uh, a Lombardi trophy. And we're going to break it all down today here on the pod. Not only what happened this past weekend, but previewing uh, what we look forward to ahead next Sunday in the championship weekend, Mitch. Yeah, no, it, it was a fantastic weekend of football. I, uh, I think we saw um, the kind of football that you want to see. Or this, I mean, you did. we did see the kind of football you want to see this time of year. Uh, good competitive football. Um, I loved that Sunday morning game. I thought that was a fantastic game that was played. And but I mean, really across the board, great football uh, all weekend long. No doubt, no doubt. I am. Uh, I'm sitting here adorned in my Seattle Kraken hoodie. Oh, Mitch. I know you can't see it, and neither can the listener. But I wanted people to know because uh, Mitch and I are the two biggest Kraken fans you'll ever meet. And we're so excited for the 2021-2022 season for the NHL, where our beloved Kraken will be taking place. Yeah. It'll be a good time. It, it's funny that you're wearing your Seattle Kraken sweatshirt because I'm wearing my Seattle Kraken hat. Of course you are. Um, I we mean, we're, we're hockey guys now. We're hockey we're, guys now. We're the, we're, the, we're the biggest... What do you... Is there like a term for a hockey fan? Or is this um, like a hockey fan? I don't. I think. I think we're just hockey guys, like, uh, like big I, hockey guys. We're just huge hockey, yeah. Big hockey guys just love sticks and pucks. I mean, we, and goals and ice. I I think we did like an episode, maybe at the beginning of last year, where we made like New Year's resolutions and we said that we were going to watch more hockey, and then that just like didn't happen. So maybe 2021's the year. 2021's the year that Dallin that we watch more hockey because our boys, the Kraken. Are, are getting ready to to play their inaugural season. We're the official podcast of the Seattle Kraken. Right. And team, team licensed and sh- sanctioned and everything. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> re- release the Kraken, baby. Release the Kraken. Re- yeah. No, it is, it is great, and we look forward to it. And, hey, you know, we were just waiting for a team, right? Like, I know you and I both kind of liked the Vegas Golden Knights. Like, that was fun, new team. But, yeah. I mean, Seattle, like, like of I course, wanna, we got to root for the Seattle team. Yeah, like, I didn't want to force myself to be an Anaheim Ducks fan or an L.A. Kings fan. Sure, or right. Or a San right. Jose Sharks fan. I didn't want to force myself to do that because, yeah, they're the California teams, but – I've never been a hockey fan before. We were so. never going to be Minnesota Wild fans. I'll tell you that. Oh, of course not. Why? And why would we be? <laughs> or uh, or Nashville, Winnipeg Jets fans. Or Calgary Flames or Nashville Predators. Like why exactly. would we be fans of those teams? I, I don't get it. 
I'm just trying to flex in all the other teams that I know from the NHL, which I can't name them all. I'll tell you that. Logically, Maybe it I makes can get sense. close. I could new probably team, get close. Do, new team, new think, fans. It makes do sense. you think you could properly name every team in the NHL? Um, I could name one through thirty-one or whatever it is now. I guess it'll be thirty-two with Seattle. I could name. I think I could name a a good amount. I don't think I could name all of them. Yeah. Um. I feel like I get to like 27, 28. You think you could do that? that. I, I think feel so. Confident in 27 or 28. I think so. I think I feel confident like 20 and then after that it there would be a there would be a drop off. What a test. A, I don't know if that's that's not good for podcasts. I'm going to be doing this after we're done that's, now. That's not. <laughs> I'm going to sit here content. testing myself. Mitch, when we're, Mitch, when Mitch and I are done, we're going to get off this call and be like, "All right, buddy, okay, here's a timer. I'm gonna, how many can you get?" Like, <laughs> and you think we're joking about that? That's actually no, but, probably going to happen. So I really want to know. try this. Anywho, Mitch, we have gotten distracted for too long now. Uh, even though I guess it's only been like four minutes, but let's just let's get into this divisional round. Yeah, uh, and let's start. The first game on Saturday, which was Green Bay and Los Angeles. And the Packers, victorious. Aaron Rodgers, victorious, coming off of the bye. Uh, The Rams coming off of the upset win in Seattle. Does not get it done against Green Bay on the road in this one. And I think to me, Mitch, the biggest takeaway that I have is that Green Bay uh, affirmed to me that they are by and far the best team in the NFC. And going into this playoffs, it seemed like even the good teams or the pretty good teams had sort of glaring question marks. I think that's still true with Tampa Bay in some regards. It was obvious with New Orleans, and we'll get to that game a little later. Uh, With Seattle, I mean, look what the Rams were able to do with Seattle. Like, even a 12-win team like that had flaws. Green Bay didn't really seem like they had any obvious weaknesses they could kind of do whatever they wanted and needed to do and they did what they did 32 points against the best defense in the league and sure Aaron Donald wasn't healthy the whole game didn't play that many snaps but that's still a fantastic defense and to do what they did uh, and put that sort of performance up affirms to me that this is the best team in the NFC and the clear favorite going into this weekend yeah I mean I mean I I think we all knew that the Packers were a very good team. I don't think that we were fully aware of um, that how dominant that offense is and how they could just really do anything at will. If they wanted to run the football, they could do it. Aaron Jones was 14 for 99. That's seven yards of carry. Um, picking up the touchdown. Aaron Rodgers, um, he's a bad man. That is a bad man under center for Green Bay. And I think everyone knows that. But um, it just he just kind of re- reassured and reaffirmed that this week when he t- took down the best defense in the NFL, um, this defense actually played pretty well. This Rams offense is nothing to scoff at. I mean, th- this is a a fairly competent Rams offense, and that Green Bay defense uh, played played pretty well um, against Jared Goff and the crew. Uh, this just re- it, it really is just a, a a reaffirmation of the fact that the Packers are the best team in the in the NFC. Um, and they should be the favorite going into going into uh, championship weekend this week. And I think you're a crazy person if you're not taking the Packers. I, I really do. And this is coming from a Bears fan, by the way. Coming from a Bears fan, you're, I think you're a crazy person if you're not taking Green Bay in this matchup this week. 
Well, and this, you know, we, we talk about this game, like we're talking about 36 minutes of possession for the Green Bay Packers compared to 24 of the Rams. That's not going to get it done. The Rams are this, are a similar type of team to Green Bay in that they want to control the ball. I mean, these are the Shanahan concepts, McVay, Lafleur, like, you know, Shanahan, all like, it's all interconnected. Stefanski, they all, they want to control the ball. They want to run the ball, play some play action, uh, keep their defense off. Uh, you know, off the field and keep the other defense on the field. So Green Bay was able to do that, which really limits what the Rams were able to do. You mentioned how good the offense was, 484 total yards for the Packers against Mm -hmm. that number one defense, right? And so it's just too much. It's just too much. And the Rams, like you said, to their credit, didn't play a horrible game, couldn't really move the ball that well, didn't have any turnovers. That's huge. You don't turn the ball over in a playoff game. You're giving yourself a shot, right? Green Bay, 8 of 12 on third down. LA, uh, two of eight. So, uh, just little things here and there, but it just kind of came down to green Bay was just the better team and they were able to play their type of game, even against the best defense, a defense that absolutely thwarted and stumped Seattle last week and Russell Wilson, right? Like completely threw him off his game, completely changed the dynamic of everything that was going on for Seattle that day. And against Green Bay, it did absolutely nothing, right? Like, not absolutely nothing. Not not to give them no credit, but in the end, it didn't matter. They st- still scored 30 points. They still almost put up 500 yards, and they got a win. Yeah. I, it, it, this is a this is an absolute wrecking ball. I mean, this is this offense is a wrecking ball. It's a, it's a train that's coming through, and just don't, you don't want to be on the tracks right now if Green Bay's coming down the tracks. You just don't want to be that team. And yeah, no, unfortunately, no doubt. especially for, with them at home now, uh, you know, through the playoffs. Lambeau's a tough place to play, not just in the winter, but in the playoffs, um, regardless if there's going to be fans in the stands or not. I think Lambeau's going to be a tough place to play. So, um, yeah, great, solid win by the Packers. They did exactly what I thought they were going to do. Um, I think they just did it to a degree that I didn't expect them to do it because I right. thought LA's defense was going to st- stand up a little bit more to them. And, that just didn't happen. It seemed like they rolled over. Um, at the big talk, I think, was Jalen Ramsey and that that Jalen Ramsey-Devontae Adams matchup and how he's going to do. And, yeah, he kept him at 66 yards, but still had nine receptions and the touchdown. Um, yeah, they found a way to get Devontae Adams involved even when Jalen Ramsey is on him. So uh, a, a great job by Matt LaFleur and the gang um, get, getting uh, getting this offense rolling early with their biggest weapon. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, as far as the Rams uh, go here, Mitch, they, this is a, a Rams team that went 10 and six in the regular season. Uh, you know, last year missed the playoffs, but they were nine and seven. And you in and in this seven team playoff that begun this season, they would have been that seven team seventh team last season. Right, so this was a team, you know, not a super down year after the uh, Super Bowl loss, but also, you know, not a success to be nine and seven. They go ten and six this year. Uh, they do win the wild card game on the road against a division rival, and then you fall short against the Packers. What is there to take away for this Rams team? Is there anything that seems like a clear um, sort of deficiency, a limitation for them moving forward, or what sort of improvements you think they need to make uh, to make a further run into the postseason next year? I think there is some, I think there's something to say about Jared Goff taking too many safe throws. Um, I think there's something to say about um, him not being able to push the ball down the field quite enough. But outside of that, I think they just met a good matchup. 
I think they made a good matchup in Green Bay. Cam Akers still ran the ball pretty well, 18 for 90, got the touchdown. Um, and he looks really good. And they, think, That looks like a very smart draft pick for them. I think that's the guy they they will and should commit to moving forward in the future is Cam Akers. Right. Um, it's tough when you didn't have um, guys like Cooper Cup healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to lean on guys like Josh Reynolds and Van Jefferson to throw the ball to um, outside of Robert Woods. Um, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, those two tight end options, they were kind of a non-factor. Um it just became a. I think they just met a a really tough matchup, and I think the Packers matched up really well against this Rams offense. Yeah, I mean there are some clear like there are some obvious injuries at key positions that severely limited their ability to win that game. Right, we're talking Jared Goff first off, right, playing quarterback but oh, not a hundred percent healthy. Yeah. You know, not a hundred percent healthy. You mentioned Cooper Cup not there. I alluded to earlier Aaron Donald. Uh, they said they weren't limiting his snaps, but then they were limiting his snaps. Regardless. So that's like they limited his snaps in that game. He was clearly not 100% healthy. So you, if you're L.A. and you look at this and you're like, wow, like, you know, we you know, fell short in the divisional round. But you're like, we got here and banged up quarterback, banged up best player in the NFL, arguably, in Aaron Donald and your number one target in Cooper Cup. You get those guys healthy. All of a sudden you're feeling a little bit different. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think there's a ton of big picture things. I think the team that was built this year, healthy and, and fully functioning, could have been a Super Bowl contender. I really do. And I think next year you can bring that back, improve in some areas, improve on the deep. I think the defense is great. You could build some depth on that side of the ball. Uh, and then on offense, really offensive line, keeping Jared Goff upright and protected with, with plenty of time uh, is just going to help there. But I don't think they're too far off, and this season should be seen as a success, all things considered. Do you think that they would be better off with finding a a more true number one in that wide receiver core? Because like, no, no, I think not not a knock against Robert Woods or Cooper Cup. I mean, great options, but they don't feel like number ones to me. They feel like solid number twos. Um, Well, that's because they they sort of share a number one role, if you think about it, like certain times and they're used in different ways, but they're huge parts of the offense. They use Robert Woods a lot in the run game, jet motions, but also just running out of the backfield. Cooper Cup is a reliable third down target, right? So they're being used in, in, in ways and in certain games, they sort of take a number one role. I think that works fine for them. I think the balance of having those two, you always have to worry about someone. Much like the Seahawks, if you shut down DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett's going to have 18 catches. If you shut down Lockett, you're, uh, Metcalf's going to burn you on one-on-ones, right? So, like, you there, you can't – and you can't do both. And the Rams have that going for them, and I think that is uh, – that works. I think that works for them. Okay. No, I was just curious because I it, it, it just seems like that's, like, the one thing – and a lot of teams are missing a true number one. Um, there's, there, there's really when you look across the whole landscape of the league, there's there's a lot of teams that don't have a a number one wide receiver. But right, um, it just feels like to me that LA has like two really good number twos. They just don't have that number one guy. But th- you're you're absolutely right. Um, they do use them in kind of a one A one B sort of fashion, and and they find a way to get them involved. And if one's blanketed, the other one's going to have a big night. It, you, you're you're correct in that. I was just right. Curious, well, but. yeah, no, no, that's fa- that's fair. And I think you know, you look at it. A lot of the situations that do have a number one guy, it's often that number one guy and like nobody else. So like, would you rather have the Rams receivers or Devonte Adams and the Packers receivers? 
right? Even if, like, you'd rather have the two guys. Even if Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams, I think you'd still rather have Woods and Cup in, 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 in company in, in L.A., right? Well, okay, so just quick exercise. Would you rather have the Rams wide receivers or the Saints well, wide what, receivers? That's what I'm saying. The Rams or the Packers. That's what I'm asking. Yeah, you. well, I, I, that's why I was asking this. Oh, well, I'd rather have the Rams. Right, but, well, that's, that's my point, yeah. And yeah, I think so the like, Saints the same way. Yes, yeah, it's, it's the same idea. It's Michael Thomas and, like, what else, you know? Traquan Smith, that's it. Right, so, so yeah, I think the Rams are well-positioned there, even if it means they don't have, uh, quote-unquote, true number one. Uh, and, and Cooper Cup is hard. He plays a lot in the slot, and, you know, is, is that going to be considered a number one guy, you know, in an offense? Not really playing that sort of, like, role as a receiver. There's guys but, that do it, but... Sure, sure. Uh, all right, Mitch. Um, let's move. Any any more on LA and Green Bay? We'll get into more of Green Bay as we get into the matchup at the end of the pod. Nah, man. Let's move on to the next okay. game. Um, next game. I believe it was the it was the Saturday night game. Uh, Bills Ravens seventeen three Bills get it done over Baltimore. Um, another good showing by Josh Allen. This was a big. Uh, Lamar Jackson coming back after getting the monkey off his back, finally getting that playoff win. There was a big talk about whether Lamar Jackson uh, can continue uh, his playoff winning ways after finally getting that win down. What are some big takeaways that you have in this game as far as the quarterback play and and uh, the Bills moving forward? Let's start. I mean, let's start with let's start with the Bills. I mean, what, what okay. are your big takeaways here? Yeah, I mean, starting with Buffalo, uh, I mean, this was – a win is a win. And, and, and listen, like in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how ugly or beautiful your win is. I think a win is a win. Uh, in a lot of ways, this wasn't a very good game for Buffalo, especially on offense. But the defense stepped up when it mattered in a huge pick six. I mean, a ginormous – a, uh, you know uh, – a game altering play there by Taron Johnson returning that for a touchdown. That's the game. The game was over the minute Taron Johnson picks that ball and turns it into six for, for ball for Buffalo. The game was over. It was a three. It was a, was it three ten to at that point? Yeah. Yeah. It was three ten. It made it three to 17 and, and that was it. I mean, that, that was at that point, 14 points was going to be insurmountable. And ultimately it was Lamar goes out at the end of the game. Tyler Huntley has to come in and do what he can. But ultimately that was going to be impossible. You missed some field goals. It was a sloppy game. So I think for Buffalo, you feel great about the way that your defense res- you know, handled this, this team, 150 rushing yards for Baltimore, which is good, but that's like below their average. <laughs> They average a lot of rushing yards and only 4.7 per rush, 32 attempts. You're going to feel pretty good about that. Uh, 37 dropbacks attempts for Baltimore as a Buffalo defense. You feel good about making them throw the ball that many times. Uh, and, you know, the key takeaway there, the defensive touchdown. That's uh, that's it. That's the formula. The offense didn't look good. Baltimore did a really good job defensively against Josh Allen and this and this team. They didn't run the ball at 16 for 32 on the ground. That's that's awful and even Josh Allen didn't really have a great game but he didn't really need to the defense stepped up when it mattered will will the offense be able to be more consistent next week against Kansas City I believe so the defense is not quite as good Uh, but that would be maybe my concern is this sort of offensive performance despite I mean I mean it is good defense in Baltimore yeah I mean Josh Allen's gonna have to play football next week like he did in the first four weeks of the year 
for them to have to for them to not ju- not just have a shot against Kansas City, but for but for them to have a serious shot or a serious big shot at winning that ball game. He's going to have yeah. to play first four weeks of the season Josh Allen football. Um, and you're right, Baltimore did a fantastic job. And really, the biggest knock I think I have on them this week is something we've talked about multiple times: is their inability to run the football. Um, Devin Singletary again bottled up. Uh, then you go to T.J. Yeldon, which was not is. I mean, quite honestly, just um, not ideal for you to lean on when Devin Singletary is not getting anything going. Um, they didn't let Josh Allen get outside the pocket and use his feet like he's been known to do. Um, but he found his big guy. Stefan Diggs found his big guy. And I, and fortunately for them, Buffalo was playing good enough defense that all he had to do was find Stefan Diggs one time. And he found Stefan Diggs one time. Eight for 106 and one touchdown for Stephon Diggs. Uh, he found John Brown eight times as well. Uh, Cole Beasley held catchless, which I think is going to have to be something that uh, they conti- they uh, need to get him more involved uh, if they want a serious shot against Kansas City. But um, yeah, you hit the you hit the nail on the head. This is uh, a a true defensive battle, and the big pick six was definitely the turning point in this game. Yeah, and I think as you look uh, as you look ahead for Buffalo, and yeah, the running game is a concern. I mean, we talked about this with Green Bay. Like, they proved really great teams cannot be stopped. They're either going to will themselves into doing what they want, or they can adjust because they're well-rounded. And Green Bay, I think that's the case. Kansas City, I think it's more of they're just going to will you. Like, they're going to Mahomes you to death, and that's just going to work because that's how they live and die. But, like... Buffalo didn't do that with Josh Allen in that pass game. They and they weren't able to. They weren't very effective in the pass game either. And you look at their offensive uh, you know, sort of output here, to only 220 total yards for them. Uh and yeah, 17 points, only 10 on offense with the with the pick six. They had one good drive coming out of halftime, 11 plays, 66 yards. That was the touchdown drive. The two drives, they had two drives that led to missed field goals. Both of those drives started in short field, like 38-yard line of Baltimore on one of them. Uh, the other one was the 29 of Baltimore, and they missed field goals on there. So that's really inefficient. Like that, Those should have been touchdowns at, at the very least, right? You're starting at the 30-yard line. So... There, you can't do that against Kansas City. Kansas City's defense isn't going to be as much of a challenge, but you've got to get those done uh, next week. And like you said, that's Josh Allen's going to have to have a three fifty and four touchdown type day if they're going to get past Kansas City. Assuming, obviously, Mahomes is healthy and playing, which I guess for the sake of this podcast, you and I are both doing correct. We're assuming he's healthy and playing, Mahomes. Well, yeah, we'll get to that in just a minute when we get to that game, but. I mean, I have some feelings about that, but um, I, I assume he's playing. I assume he's playing. And yeah. I, I mean. They, For the sake of argument, we have to kind of assume he's playing in this game. Sure. Or yeah. we're doing the whole thing assuming it's Chad Henney, which changes a, a lot. I, I, it, <laughs> it, it it does change a lot, but, you yeah. know, I'll, I digress. I will, I will get into that when we get there, so. Yeah, it's fine. Um, as far as for the Ravens, Mitch. You you mentioned earlier they they get that first playoff win. Lamar gets that first playoff win, uh, and that's going to be a success this year. Th- this is going to be a success regardless of what happened with Buffalo. I think Buffalo exposes this loss this week exposes some of the shortcomings that are obvious 
to what the Ravens can do. I guess my question to you is what are you taking away and what are you focusing on going into next season as far as what gets the Ravens from divisional round to conference championship and or Super Bowl? It's it's very simple, and I think it's not too much pressure to put on Lamar now that he's the caliber of quarterback that he is now. Um, I, th- I think it's justified to put this on Lamar. Lamar has to be a better passer. He has to be a better passer, and they have to be able to rely on him um, to be able to put the ball in a tight window, to be able to push the ball down the field. Um, right now, he's just not that passer. He's fantastic with his legs, and he's a weapon. He is a weapon, whether he's a good passer or not, he is he is an absolute weapon. But this, when it comes to playoff football, you need to be able to be able to, you have to be able to do more than one thing. You can't be a one-trick pony. And right now with the way, with Lamar's talent as a passer, he kind of is that guy. And um, I think that that can be easily figured out. I think Buffalo figured that out. They didn't even let him run the ball a whole lot. I mean, nine for 34. He didn't even run the ball very well. And they forced him to throw the football, and he doesn't throw the football very well right now. And he needs to be a better passer. I think that that's not too much pressure to put on the guy because he's now um, flirting with that upper echelon, or he is in that upper echelon of quarterbacks right now. And I think if he could put together a uh, a way to have a, a good passing attack and his skill set, you could, you can, and he continues to win playoff games in the years to come. You could put him in that elite conversation, but right now he's just, he's not that. And they, he needs to figure out how to be a better passer in NFL because it's a passing league. And you look at the rest of the quarterbacks that are in um, this, this playoff right now, they're all passers. They all can throw the football well, and Lamar is definitely at the bottom of that list as far as passer goes. He has to figure that out, um, and that's kind of the the thing that they need to figure out moving forward for him. Yeah, well, I think it extends beyond Lamar, and, and not to and and to put I guess less blame on Lamar himself, but more on just the scheme in the system. Like this team is clearly built, and this offensive scheme is clearly built to run the ball heavy and to rely on the on the run game heavy and to use that to set up all the pass game stuff. So when you get into a game scenario and the game gets out of hand for you or a team starts shutting down the run heavily and forces you into drop back sets, that's not in their playbook. Like that's not in their offensive scheme. That's not what they do. That's not like how it's all supposed to work. So when you force a team into doing that, especially a team that's not uh, you know, that's not equipped to do that well with the pass catching options that they have. And then couple that with the quarterback, like you said, who isn't the most accurate quarterback, who isn't a drop back guy. He is uh, a guy who's expected to get a thousand rushing yards a season, which he has done. Right. So that's not the scenario. Ideal scenario for them. It works in the regular season. You can get wins doing that, but eventually playoffs, we've seen it two years in a row now someone's going to figure it out and stop it. And even in the Tennessee game last week, to a degree, they were able uh, to to shut down part of that scheme. Now, ultimately, Lamar broke off some few ones and, and did Lamar things, got touchdowns. But I think going forward, I think in the next season, they need to open up the playbook more, the offensive scheme more. They need to put more pass passing plays into this offense for Lamar's sake because he's not going to get a better, he's not going to become a better passer you know, only throwing as many throws as they expect him to have on any given game, right? Like if you're getting 25 to 30 throws a game, he's not going to get better. You can't expect him to in one game throw 40 passes and be effective doing that. That just, 
That's just not going to happen. So I mean, I, I agree with you that changes need to happen. I don't think it's just Lamar saying it's just Lamar get better. They need to give him opportunities. They need to build that into the scheme. And I believe they need to get a true number one wide receiver for him. Well, well I sure. Yeah, I, I, all of that's true. All of that's true. But I'm saying right now, if they were to have a drop back scheme, do you think Lamar could succeed? Because I don't think that he could. Because of well, what, right now, he, but he, no, but that's what, but that's what a whole off season and a training camp and a whole season is supposed to be able to do for you. So that next postseason, when you're in the divisional round, you don't get ousted because you can rely on Lamar Jackson to throw the ball 38 times. See, right that, now he cannot do that. I agree with you, but like that can be done in the next year, and it's not just a case of Lamar Jackson getting better at throwing the ball. You have to incorporate more passing plays into the offense, or it's just going to be so easy to stop that you're putting your quarterback in a position to fail and to do and have to do all the work to get offense moving. And and you shouldn't do that to your especially young quarterback, but especially Lamar Jackson. You need to put him in a position to succeed. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I would so, love I mean, to see him do that, but it, yeah. it, that just screams like Lamar hasn't had a slump. And I that that just screams like they're going to have a down year if they do that because it's going to take him mean? a little – because he has to be able to learn how to throw the football. I mean, he didn't do it a whole lot at Louisville. He hasn't done. He's not doing it at the volume that he should be at the NFL level in Baltimore right now. So if they go to a system where they're going to say, "Hey, we need you to rely a little bit more on your arm and less on your legs," it, that just screams that there's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be. I a mean, learning he's curve not. He's not. He's not going to go from, you know, what he's doing to throwing, you know, 500 passes a year. No, I don't. I, I don't I'm think that's, that at all. I don't think that's going to create a slump if they if they incorporate all. six to eight more passes, if that, into his game to game scenarios. I don't think that's going to mean that all of a sudden his performance dips because of that. I, I wouldn't say that. I you think that's you doable. Don't think again, like go up. You don't think that passer rating goes down. You don't think that all, all of those statistical categories, those measurables that we take number wise are affected by the, by him going learning a new system where he throws the football a little bit more? I mean, what it, it's not a new system, though. It wouldn't have it to would be ha- a new it system. Would it's to building be. upon... Well, it's building upon the principles you already do. It's incorporating more and more of the passing elements into the scheme. The same scheme... It's not like they're changing scheme here. It's... We're, we, we are this run-heavy... You still got to rely on the run. It's Lamar Jackson. Like, that's what you do. You're not taking that element away, but you're incorporating more of passing plays, and you're relying on that more, and you're forcing him to throw the ball more I don't think is a case that Lamar Jackson can't do it I think a lot of it is just opportunity and training and scheme and all of these things that go into it you give him this whole offseason you add that into the playbook you, that becomes the expectation you're getting him to 30 plus p- passes a game I think by next postseason he'll have it figured out he'll feel comfortable it's that's not, not it's, like too much to ask it's not like he's only throwing no, the ball 10 I, times a game no and I'm not saying that there's that he can't do it I'm not saying that he can't do it. I think he can. I think he's perfectly capable of doing it. I just think that there's going to be that learning curve where we we see that we see that drop off as far as far as uh, maybe maybe wins and W's because he's making more mistakes. Um, I mean, he's he's perfectly capable of doing it. That's not what I'm saying at all. And you and you actually hit the nail on the head perfectly where you said you know he needs a true number one. I I 100% agree with you. Marquise yeah. Brown is not a number one. 
No, and so, I brought this up to you uh, off the pod, but like you look at what what the Ravens should be doing and what we should be doing with Lamar is not like what holds him back from all these other quarterbacks. It's like what helped them improve. Josh Allen was a was a very inaccurate passer in college at Wyoming and in his first couple years of the NFL. And all of a sudden this year, it like clicked for him, right? He's been incredible MVP level. And last year he was good, but still inaccurate, you know, interceptions. He still had issues that's kind of been ironed out this year. And it's not the entire solution, but I think a huge part of that is getting him Stefan Diggs, getting him a true number one guy, not only is going to boost his confidence, his ability to feel like I can throw to this guy, he's going to make a play, but also opening up everything else in the offense for the other playmakers that you have. Cole Beasley, John Brown, all those guys become so much better next to Stefan Diggs. And the Baltimore Ravens desperately need that for Lamar Jackson. Mark Andrews is great. He's a fantastic tight end, but a tight end is cannot be that number one target the, the way their wide receiver can. It's just not in the way that the position is built, not the strength of, of the type of athletes that you have there. But you go get a number one well, guy can open it up. So I think a guy Travis like Kelsey Julio Jones, I, I think even Travis Kelsey, I think there's limitations. He's not like Travis Kelsey can't have the same effect that Devontae Adams can. I, I don't agree. He can have a different effect and it could be almost equal in its value, right? Relative to the position, but there's certain things that only a number one wide receiver can open up in an offense. And I think that's what Baltimore needs. So I think a guy like Julio Jones, if he becomes available via, via trade, needs to be looked at. If you're talking about free agents, you know, Juju, Kenny Galladay. I don't know if those guys are number ones. That would certainly help, but I think more of the Julio types is what they need to be seeking out and really show their young quarterback. We trust you. We want you to succeed. Here is this guy. We're going to open this pass game up and we're going to give you somebody great to throw it to. Uh, and if you look at what happened to Buffalo, it's successful. So I think with Lamar, it would be successful as well. I, I can't argue with that. I'm just saying that there's going to be a learning curve and that there's going to be, even if they keep the same system and they, and they open up the passing game for them, there's going to be a learning curve and you're going to see a lot more mistakes. Um, before, right. Before but you it say learning bad, curve before... and you assume it's going to have all these negative effects. They could still win and there still be a learning curve. Yeah. I never said they couldn't win. Well, all right. Well, you're talking I, about completion percentage and interceptions and all these stuff going down. Sure. If you open up the passing game more it. for a guy that's not a an elite passer, yeah, sure. That that's gonna come before right, it gets better. Yeah, but you're talking about this as if he's not an elite passer. He's not gonna improve any from now until then. And then all of a sudden, they're they're passing the ball x amount of times more a game. Like with all of this but said, it, it like we're get... we're including into this that Lamar Jackson will then improve before the next time he's expected to throw that many passes. Well, like no, it's not but... fair to look at this based on how he is now and then just add eight passes a game and say, well, he's well, just I don't throw think it's I don't think picks. it's fair to the Lamar to add eight passes per game to him and expect that he's going to complete the majority of those eight passes. I don't think that's fair to him to, either to complete a, a fair percentage. Why wouldn't that be? I mean, it's because not he's like not he a throws great 45%. I mean, not... it's not like his completion percentage is horrendous. No, I'm not saying that at all, but I think that if you open it, if you open it up down, there's going to be alert. Like you're going to, there are going to be, there's going to be the prepotency for more mistakes made. And for them, right, but to, you're for, assuming that well, negative on. effects. I'm saying that that can exist and it still works successfully. I don't think he could walk into it and automatically have success. I think there's going to be something that he's there. There is going to be a curve 
where he is going to, he's going to have to figure out before he becomes successful. I think he's perfectly capable of becoming successful in a system that opens up the passing game for him more. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. That's all. Sure. Uh, for the record, Lamar Jackson completed 64% of his passes this year, uh, only nine interceptions, uh, 64% completion percentage on his career. That's fine. Uh, that's NFL. that's not so, really elite, but, you know. I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, 70% is elite. If you're under 60, you're a bad passer, right? But if you're mid-60s, that's is that not, like, pretty good? Cam, Cam completed similar percentage of passes. And he did that not in for his good years. Of, no, he was he was good, it was very well known that he was fifty eight, fifty nine percent for most of his years. His MVP year, he was over sixty. Yeah. So, but and, I mean, and he, he still was, wasn't. And he still wasn't a fantastic passer. Well, yeah, he was four or five percent completion percentage less than Lamar Jackson is. But I mean, that's a big uh, difference. Uh, look, we got to move on. But like, all I'm saying, you get what I'm saying. You get what I'm saying is that. I don't think that he's not capable of doing it. I don't think that one bit. I just think that there's going to be time. There's going. It's going to take time. It's going to take time, and it, he'll figure it out because he's a fantastic athlete. And right. He's a good so do you? So I guess my question is then. So if it's going to take time, are they going eight and eight next year, or like what does time look like? What do you like? How is this? How how much would this affect? Do you think? Because I don't see, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. That's why I I'm never, wondering. Well, look, no. I, I'm asking I, you. I, I mean, never, if you don't think it, that's fine. I'm well, just asking. no, and I don't think, and I never said that there was going to be a drop off in wins like that. But what I, but what I'm getting at is, is that don't expect. Basically, what I'm saying is, is, is if you open up the passing game for him, don't expect for him to all of a sudden. You know, have this. You know, he's going to have more volume, and he's going to put up these astronomical numbers as a passer. Because I don't think that's the type of player he is right now. He could certainly add that to his skill set, but he doesn't have that right now. And right. You can't well, that's ju- not you even can't what just, we're talking about. You can't just either. open up. I mean, we're not just talking about playbook, and all of a sudden he has this skill set. Right. Well, that's that's also not what we're talking about because we're not we, talking about adding just... ten plus passes a game, and all of a sudden he's looking like Peyton Manning. You know, throwing the ball five hundred times a year. Well. We're talking about adding incrementally, right, and opening the pass game more. So, what is this? Right. A- I mean, that's that's what I'm asking. I mean, that's not, that's I thought what you were talking about that. You know, it's well, talking no. About when relative. you say open up the playbook, that that sounds like from from training camp and from spring practices, you're opening it up to where he is throwing the ball eight, ten times more a game. I mean, when you say open it up, that's what opening it up means. It doesn't mean you open it up little by little and you and you say, oh, we're going to throw the ball two more times here and we're going to throw the ball three more times Well, here. I'm talking about – I, I mentioned specifically – for the record, I mentioned specifically six to eight times a game. And I think that's considered opening it up. That's, that's, that's what I've been talking about. So he'd about. still be throwing it 30, 32 times a game based right on now his he, last game he, pro- Right now he probably throws it about 25 to 30 times a game. And most NFL quarterbacks are throwing it at least 30 times a game. I'm saying you're getting him closer to that average, 30 to 32 times a game. That's, I mean, we're talking about incremental because the thing is, is running the ball the way that they do, using Lamar Jackson the way that they do has worked. It has been a measure of success. They've run into issues in the playoffs, but they've won a lot of games doing it, right? 11 and five this year, 14 and two last year. So like, we're not talking about wholesale changes here, right? Because it has had success. Now it has a ceiling. It seems to you and I that there's a ceiling in playing that sort of style. And I think, you know, 
generally speaking, that's the consensus sort of idea. So you do have to add more passing elements to the game, but it's not about flipping it in any sort of way or getting away from what already is successful, right? Sure. I mean, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, we could even twist this in the in the direction of John Harbaugh and how confident he is as Lamar as a passer. It, it wouldn't. It would be more less John Harbaugh and more. But why um, hasn't he done it yet? Like it'd be more about the OC. I, I can't think of his name right now. Isn't okay. it Wink? Wink Martindale's a DC, I think. Um, oh, like Greg Roman. Greg Roman. Greg Roman. But we're talking yeah. about Greg Roman. But, like, I mean, but that's, like, we're talking about the scheme that he ran in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick, had all that sets, went to Buffalo with Terod Taylor, supposed to do that same idea. But he running back, you know, these sort of, like, these sort of running uh, – uh, quarterbacks has been his thing but ultimately yeah there has been a ceiling on how much that passing game matters there and maybe ultimately that is the ceiling for Lamar Jackson is with that play caller and with that offensive mind okay you know you might be onto something there and we'll see but I hope that it, it seems to me that if they're going to get past this we're on the same page they need to throw the ball more and they need to open that up how they do that there's a number of things they could do we both agree, get a better, get get a number one guy, right? Get a number one guy, first step. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Look at that. <clears throat> why do, Why is it every time we talk about Lamar Jackson, we spend 15 minutes on Lamar Jackson? I don't know, man. It's the most divisive thing we can talk about on the podcast I, is Lamar Jackson. I don't know why. I don't know how it ended up that way, but it just, it's me it being a, It's me being an old head boomer <laughs> about quarterbacks and you being this new age Gen Z I, I love running quarterbacks thing. That's that's what that's what it is. It's what it comes out to. That's, that's probably it's probably, it's probably measured to that. It's probably it's, it's, probably there's nothing wrong that. with Absolutely. that. We just have difference in opinions. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. You love Brock Osweiler. It's fine. You I know, don't he's tall love and Brock Osweiler. I don't love that was the worst <laughs> contract in NFL history. So. All right. Okay. Uh the other AFC game mid Sunday morning. This was probably the best game. This was the best game of the weekend. Cleveland, Kansas City. Kansas City holds on twenty two to seventeen, a tight game. Mahomes goes out with the quote-unquote concussion. Chad Henney comes in, and Chad Henney, man, he earned his paycheck right there with that performance. Kept, keeps Kansas City alive. The big run on third and 14, which I thought he got it, by the way. I thought he got the first down there. He turns out he didn't. Andy Reid, with the biggest set of cojones on the, on the planet, goes for it on fourth down from like the 30-yard line in a five-point game, which, by the way, somebody broke down the numbers. No one's ever done that ever in any situation that is like that or close to that in any sort of game-winning situation. No one's ever gone for it in that situation on a passing play. But Andy Reid does it because he's Andy flipping Reid. And they get the win, and Kansas City goes on. It it was a fantastic game, Mitch. Let's – do you want to start with Kansas City here on this side, or do you want to start with Cleveland? Let's start with Kansas City. Okay. Go ahead with with, with your thoughts. Well, (laughs) Andy Reid, first of all, we know he's got the biggest gut in the NFL, but who knew he had the biggest set of balls in the NFL as well? Oh, my goodness. I mean, to call that play – you saw them come up to the line, and you're like – they're trying to draw him off sides, and then it's going to Tony be Romo is, like, talking this through. He's like, oh, no, yeah, they're totally just going to come up here. They're going to try to get him to jump. He wants to see what the defense – he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, they're not going for it at all. And like, then they he, have a play designed into it. Right, right. And it just – I mean, 
this is why Andy Reid is one of the greatest coaches of all time because he comes prepared. He comes prepared and he he has all the tools in front of him. He's he's one of the greatest coaches I think of all time outside of Bill Belichick of maximizing what he has at his disposal. Yes, and he, he does it, but on the offense, and Belichick is that defensive. He takes pieces, yes. and he just makes. He's like a. He's like he's playing chess, right? It, and that's what Belichick is on defense, and that you're a hundred percent. That's Andy Reid on offense. He's just moving pieces around, pulling guys out of nowhere. Here's this guy. He does this. Watch he, him beat you. Do this. Doing this all day. It's amazing. He knows exactly what he's what he wants to do every single play, and he's got plan A, B, C, D through Z. <laughs> I mean, right, this guy yeah, just exactly. has everything that he knows he wants to do. And you know what? I hate it for the Brownies because I was pulling for him so bad. I wanted to see Cleveland in an AFC title. I wanted to see a Browns-Bills title game. And That'd I think I think most of America wanted to see a Browns-Bills title game. Um, but you have to tip your hat to Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and have the balls to do that with Chad Henney. Yes, Chad Henney, Pat Mahomes back, went with out with your the concussion. Backup quarterback, uh, you know, and and you don't get that play, and you've given Baker Mayfield in this offense the ball at the thirty yard line, and they go down and score a touchdown and get a two point conversion, and now you can't even win the game. You got to go down and get a, you know field goal and tie. Like I mean, like this scenario, it's like you don't do that. Well, but Andy and- Reid did it, and he pulled it off. And that's why we're praising it, because if it didn't work, we would be shaming him to death right now. Well, and I, well, and honestly, the reason they're in that scenario to begin with, big ups to the Chiefs' defense, because when Carl Joseph picked that ball off in the end zone, I thought the game was over. Oh, yeah. I was like, Browns are going to go down, score, and then all they got to do is play decent defense against Chad Henney. That's all they have to do. And the Chiefs' defense stepped up and shut down this Browns' offense that has been at times prolific throughout the year and has been a fantastic uh, offensive unit the entirety of the year. And this was just the, the chiefs defense stepped up when they needed to. And that's the only reason they were in that situation. Then to top it off, Andy Reid flops his big nuts out on the table and goes, here I am watch this and calls a, a ballsy fourth and short play on his own 30 uh, to seal the seal the deal for Kansas City, um, it, it was it was it was a fantastic game all in all. Um, I alluded to this earlier with Patrick Mahomes and um, and him being healthy for next week. Um, it unfortunately, I think he's going to be, and I say unfortunately because of what we know about CTE right now. Um, when he stood up, he did not look like he knew where the hell he was at. Yeah, I mean, he had a clear stumble, and it was like, oh, yeah, something's up. And what sucks about this is that – and I'm a big advocate for, for, you know, the game of football, and I love love this game. But you have to know when to say I'm not okay and I can't play. And unfortunately, Kansas City's going to push Pat Mahomes, and he's probably going to play this weekend – and he may not be in the best state to do it. And that upsets me because this is a once-in-a-generation type talent that we're going to put at risk here, um, not just for the sake of football and the sake of the fans, but Patrick Mahomes, the human being. I don't know. If he if he's not ready to go, 
because of the symptoms he still has from this from this concussion, I really hope they don't put him out there. And that's not because I want to see the Bills win. It's not because I want bad things to happen to Kansas City. It's that I hope Patrick we don't spoil uh Patrick Mahomes the the human being moving forward because of uh he just did not look like he knew where the hell he was at when he came up from that hit. And um I I want him to be healthy outside of football and this is just this is this is not a good look if they push him um and he plays um in not a good state. No doubt. There's also been mixed reports about uh, one I saw it was not a concussion, but it was a nerve in his neck, and that caused that's not some nerves. Issues. When you when you stumble and, and, like and, that, that's not a no nerve. doubt, no doubt. But then you look at the hit, and you're like, well, he never really got hit in the head. He got his neck bent, but then he gets up, and it's like you see that, and you you would have thought he just took you know a bull, you know a, a line drive to the helmet. But the hit wasn't it, – it was, it's very weird. And the mixed reports don't make you feel any more confident that it's being handled well. And and, and ultimately, I'm 100% with you. Uh, I hope he plays because he's healthy and 100%. And that's why. And no other reason. Uh, and when we're talking about a guy who has a $500 million contract. We're talking and about that, a guy and who that, is the I face mean... of the league. And, and I understand if he plays, like you said, but – I hope it's because he's 100% healthy uh, and and that we get a, a healthy Mahomes against this Bills team because that's the matchup that we all want. We want it, we but want, you, can't, you can't force it if the guy's not healthy. Exactly. No, you're 100 I mean, obviously, yeah, you're 100%. You can't do it. I mean, it, it, it honestly ticks me off that, like, if the just the thought of them playing him if he's not healthy, that, that just – that thought in itself makes me upset because – yeah. I mean, you can't just – and people – there's a lot of people that are going to look at it like, well, you're ruining his career. Screw the career. Screw the career. What about the dude, like the human, Patrick Mahomes, you know? Right. Well, like, Mahomes will pro- obviously probably tell them he wants to play too. You know? And that's the thing is they have, they have to be able – somebody who's going to come able. in there with – right, with some integrity and with some responsibility and say this is – you know, no. No, you can't. You can't. You can't. This is not a smart. If that's the case, we're, we're obviously we're assuming that that's we're the case. I, I'm, sure. I'm not a yeah, yeah. I'm not a doctor. I don't know what his actual conditions are. I don't know how serious this is or isn't. Because again, the reports have not been very clear, and it's been sort of mixed signals the on nerve thing, even what it the is. Pinch nerve thing is a bunch of BS. There's no way that was a pinch nerve. You don't stand up from that, and people have to catch you from falling over again because you pinched a nerve in your neck. Like that, that just doesn't happen. It's because you, you're mentally, you've taken a shot to the brain and you're not okay. That's what happens with that. It's fascinating. We'll see how this plays out. And obviously a very different game. uh, If he is not there, I do want to talk about Cleveland here, Mitch, Uh, obviously a very successful season. You won your first playoff game, your first playoff appearance. I mean, this is all very good for them. And I think, I really believe that this was a positive building point for the Cleveland Browns, this game right here. This game proved that you could hang with the Super Bowl champs. You weren't good enough to beat them, but you could you could hang with them. You you could play a pretty good game. And you had some, you know, you had some mistakes, a couple big turnovers, right? The time of possession was pretty clear. There are some clear and, 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 and very similar to what we were talking about with Baltimore, Cleveland, a team very much set up on a establishing the run game, time of possession, 
passing game through the play action, right? Keep you know, move, throwing over guys because you got to load the box to stop the run. And and because Kansas City got off to a lead and because of the way the game went, they weren't able to do that and it clearly limited them down the stretch their ability to open up the ball, open up the the game plan and just let Baker sit back and throw. And and much like Lamar Jackson, I don't think it's because Baker Mayfield can't sit back and throw. It's because the scheme doesn't allow them to do that. And you can't just switch that in the middle of a game and expect things to work, uh, you know, just happen. So ultimately, I think Cleveland, that is a big step moving forward is becoming less reliant on the run game and allowing yourself to have more flexibility to play a more open passing game uh, and win in that manner. But this defense, Mitch, was impressive. This Cleveland defense was impressive. I was very, very impressed with what they were able to do uh, with Kansas City, limiting, you know, limiting the touchdowns, right? I mean, we're talking about they scored two touchdowns, but you forced three field goals that ultimately kept Cleveland in the game the whole time, even when it was three to 19. I mean, you give up a touchdown on one of those last two field goals in the final four minutes, it's game over. But because you held them to two field goals, you kept yourself in the game and Cleveland remained in the game, uh, you know, with a fighter's chance throughout. Uh, Credit to to a young defense that's only going to get better only positives moving forward for Cleveland. This was a huge season, uh, even with this loss. Yeah, I mean, they they proved they they can hang with the the best of the NFL's offense that they have to offer that we that the NFL has to offer right now in the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and you look at the pieces that they have at their disposal right now. Terrence Mitchell's, Mitchell's a big one. Uh, Carl Joseph, we mentioned earlier. Your boy Sione Taki Taki, um, Denzel Ward, Sheldon Richardson, Miles Garrett. Um, to Ernest Johnson, Larry Ogunjobi, um, Malcolm Smith. I mean, Porter Gustin has made some big plays this postseason. Um, you know, this is a defense that's built extremely well, and you're exactly right. They played very well against the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Browns organization as a whole, and to to Browns Nation, I say, do not get discouraged by this 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 playoff loss because I have a I really feel that the Cleveland Browns are going to be around for a while. Um, They have established, I think this year, this was the year that they established a winning culture in Cleveland. And we're going to see the Cleveland Browns around for a long time. I mean, revive that eighties, that 19, you know, the 1980s Browns where they were constantly in those AFC divisional AFC championship games. Um, This is a, this is a, this is a fantastically built team um, that has a great quarterback under center. I think Baker Mayfield really turned a corner this year as an NFL quarterback. They have a two-headed monster running back with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt that I think they should stick with. Stick with the two-headed monster because, boy, howdy, it really makes you tough to defend if you don't have to. If you have to worry about not just one running back but two of them, um, they have to give Baker, I think, one more big option. Uh, and uh, to throw to Jarvis Landry is there, but Odell Eldo Belkham has never panned out, and he was hurt for most of the year. David and Joku was just fine. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones seems to have some skills too, uh, as as well as Richard Higgins. But I think you need one more thing there. But um, the Browns are the Browns are a really well built team, and I, I don't expect them to go anywhere um, come next year. I think they'll be right back here. Uh, and I would expect them to be uh, right back here in the playoffs again. 
Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, you look at like, hey, bragging rights over the other 2018 quarterbacks, both Lamar and and Josh Allen last year lost their first playoff games. Baker goes and wins his first one. Hey, so you know what I mean? Right. Like positives to move forward. And speaking of that, Mitch, we uh we wanted to have a little discussion on this. Uh, I guess as far as just ranking these 2018 quarterbacks, uh, that the ones that made the playoffs, obviously Josh Rosen, we're not including in this. Uh, and Sam Darnold, we're not going to include this either. But Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, all led their teams to the playoffs this year. Uh, and, you know, we all have kind of had different paths, but but high successes in the NFL so far. I guess what we wanted to do, if you had these three quarterbacks and, you know, redrafted, how would you, you know, what order are these guys going in? How do you have these guys ranked? Uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead, Mitch. What are your thoughts? Going Josh Allen at one. I think I'm going... Baker at two and Lamar at three. Okay. Um, I like Baker's playmaking ability. Um, not necessarily his ability to rush the ball, but his ability to to use his feet and create a play outside of the pocket. Um, but Lamar's got the constellation of he's able to roll outside the pocket and then just tuck it and go. So, um, but I think Josh Allen right now has the total package put together. Um, so I think I got to go Allen Mayfield Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think Josh Allen is the number one guy. I think that's fair. He's shown to be the most complete of any of these guys, uh, despite not reaching the sort of heights, which is ironic, right? Baker wins rookie of the year. Lamar wins MVP. Josh Allen has done none of those. And yet we feel most confident in him. Uh, but it's, you know, it's the successes and the sort of, uh, heights that he's reached this year, the improvements that he's made. And the, like, like I said, the complete package, he's been able to throw the ball really effectively. Uh, lots, you know, obviously the high touchdown numbers and completion percentage went up this year, but the ability uh, to be a run threat, pick up third downs uh, with your legs and then also be the red zone threat. He's number one. I would put Lamar Jackson two and Baker at number three. I think, uh, I think they're pretty close. And I think all these are really close as you said, but uh, for me, Lamar, that MVP season, and even this year, it's proven to me that he, there is, there's some, there is a skill Lamar Jackson has that nobody else in the NFL has, right? His ability to run the ball, what he does at the quarterback position as uh, that sort of threat. Nobody else is like that. And that's going to always stand out over other people. And Baker is a very good quarterback, but I don't think Baker does one thing better than anybody in the NFL. Hmm. So for that reason, I think Lamar has that sort of higher ceiling, the higher potential. When you're the best at one thing that you could do something no one else can, you automatically, you know, your ceiling is higher, your potential's higher. Uh, and I still think Lamar can reach those uh, sort of lofty heights. So I, I would say still Lamar, uh, so Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, and then Baker Mayfield. But again, all pretty close there. All pretty close there. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're extremely close. But I think I think there's no doubt right now out of that quarterback draft class, it's Josh Allen. It's Josh Allen. Josh Allen to number one, I think for sure. Yeah. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. So Okay, Mitch, uh final game here. Uh Tampa Bay, New Orleans. The Buccaneers get the upset. We we'd mentioned this in the picks last week. Uh somebody not it wasn't gonna be ones and twos across the board. Somebody was getting upset. Now we were wrong on which upsets those would be. It happened to be Tampa Bay over New Orleans, but 
Uh, somebody was going to break through from the quote-unquote wild card, and that was Tampa Bay, in this case, taking down the Saints in the third matchup of this uh, of these NFC South rivals. The Saints had the first two. Tampa Bay gets the third. That's usually how it goes. We should have saw that coming. Tom, Tom Brady was, was really pretty good in this game, uh, really effective. That defense is incredible for Tampa Bay. Uh, and, you know, I think that they pose a really fair challenge to Green Bay next week. They do a lot of things really well. Uh, and I don't think they are there. They wow you in any specific way or any specific position. They're just a really well-balanced team uh, that when playing at a high level is going to be really dangerous. Yeah, I, I I really think that, yeah, if they if they have their night, and ta- we've seen this all season long with Tampa Bay, where they have their nights, and they have their nights where they they just are not good. Yeah. Um, but they have their nights where you're just like, well, well, of course they're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, this is a front runner. But then they have their nights where it's like, how is this team a playoff team? So um, they had one of those nights against, against New Orleans where they looked like a serious Super Bowl contender. Like you said, Tom Brady played pretty well. Um, uh, I think he start. you know, We've talked. I think I've talked about this in previous pods. His age is starting to show, but he is finding a way to still get it done. 18 for 33, 199, and two touchdowns. Um, I think the big thing for them is they were able to lean on Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones to run the football. Um, they were carrying the ball for around four yards a carry combined, and you know that's going to be key for them is, is being able to lean on those two guys to be able to run the football in complement to – to Brady making his his high IQ football plays, um, you know he, he's not a push the ball down the field type guy anymore. Nor was he really ever, except with that one year when he had Randy Moss and he threw for fifty touchdowns. I think that was 07. Um, But he has big targets to throw to. He's got uh, he's got Mike Evans. He's got Antonio Brown. He's got Rob Gronkowski. By by the way, all three of those guys held to one reception the whole night. Uh, Chris Godwin, he's got him to throw to. He's got guys like he's got even got guys like Cameron Brait that can still catch the football. He was their leading receiver on on Sunday night, four for fifty. Um, you know he's gonna he's gonna do what Tom Brady does, spread the ball around, use all of his weapons at his disposal. Um, but I think for them moving forward, you know Tampa Bay, they're gonna have to really rely on Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones and their ability to keep the ball moving on the ground. And that defense, again, um, you know, it, at times it's looked like one of the greatest defenses I've ever seen in my life. And then sometimes you're like, what the hell happened? They just totally collapsed. So um, a very streaky team. Um, but I think the Buccaneers propose a very good matchup for uh, for Green Bay this week. This win was definitely about the defense and how dominant it was. I mean, when you win the turnover margin four to nothing, like you're going to win a game. And that would be my concern for Tampa Bay moving forward next week is you're not going to have a 4 nothing turnover margin to Aaron Rodgers. No. You're just not. You know so not. you've got to be able to win a game when you have that pot, you know, at even equal or, you know, potential, you know, 0-0, zero to 1-1. Zero, one to one, you don't have that turnover advantage. And you look at what Tampa Bay was able to do with that. I mean, here are the possessions after, after turnovers, right? Uh, so interception in the first half. Uh, one play, three yards for a touchdown for for Tampa Bay. So absolutely no effort needed to score that touchdown, three yards. The second one, a fumble, 40 yards, five plays, 40 yards, touchdown. The, the second interception, 
Only took 20 yards in four plays to get a touchdown. So when you're getting the ball at the 20-yard line, 30-yard line, 3-yard line, they were effective and they got touchdowns and that's how they won the game. But you're not going to get those sort of gifts on offense against Green Bay. And that's 21 total points right there that I just accounted for. You know, that's right. the game. So if you're not having those, can you generate long, sustained offensive drives and score some points without having to rely on the defense to do that for you? Uh, Going to be a challenge for Tampa Bay for sure, but an impressive win uh, nonetheless against New Orleans. And for New Orleans, Mitch, this really feels like a story about Drew Brees and his sort of decline. And ultimately, this loss sort of falls on Drew Brees and that decline. I mean, we mentioned those interceptions, you know, three interceptions for Drew Brees. Uh, I don't remember who had the fumble, but, uh, you know, like those, that's the reason why New Orleans lost this game. That defense is really good. That defense played a really good game. Uh, that offense is limited with Drew Brees, and it was very clear on Sunday. This feels like... Well, let me preface this with Drew Brees did not play a good game, and it was a very un-Drew Brees-like performance. Um, 19 for 34, 134, one touchdown and the three interceptions. Um, this just it, it just feels like to me like an NFL legend shouldn't go out this way. They shouldn't go out this way. But at the same time, you know deep down like he can't, sustain another year he can't it's time come, to go it's time to go like he can't he can't come back and and try to you know do what peyton manning did and go out on top and even peyton manning was terrible in his last year when he won that super bowl before he before that's, he retired but that's what this performance was it was 2015 manning-esque and there were games that season, uh, apart from the postseason, which he did enough in the postseason right but like in that season there were games where it was like wow he could just he just can't do it anymore. This is not he just can't be effective. This is not what I know. This is not the Manning and, I know. This and is that's not the what, I know. And know? and this season wasn't horrible for him, but at times it looked like that. In this playoff game, it 100% looked like that. And it's indicative, Mitch, when two seasons in a row, your best pass in all of the playoffs came from a player not Drew Brees. Last year, Taysom Hill had the best pass all, all all playoffs for them in that in that loss to Minnesota on a deep ball touchdown. And this year, it's Jameis Winston and his touchdown in this game. That's the two best passes from your last two postseason runs. And you have Drew Brees, an all-time quarterback, at, at your disposal. And it's Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston with the best throws. So that seems clear to me more than anything that it's time to move on. It just, I just, I feel this for Drew Brees. And I know that Drew Brees, the, the human being is not worried about, ah, I didn't win an MVP. Hey, I only won one Super Bowl. Not a big deal. I know he's not really worried about that. But, like, as a fan, outside looking in, I hate for Drew Brees to go out like this. Yeah. Because this is one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen. And he's never won an MVP. He won one Super Bowl. And I just, I hate to see a legend go out like this. I just hate to see it. But... You know, deep down, you just know, you're like, man, with the 11 broken ribs he had this year, the, the you know, all the injuries he's endured over the last couple of years, you just know physically this guy cannot do it anymore. And um, it, it's it's a sad way to see a legend go, but, um, God, yeah, golly, this one hurts. This one hurts as, as yeah. a guy who's a Drew Brees fan. I love Drew Brees, so. No doubt. It's it's tough to see, but, you know, it is time, and the Saints just could not justify bringing him back. 
Uh, no, you, you know, you just you just couldn't couldn't be worth it. And and you look at their future and like all of a sudden it's like did no one pay attention to the future of uh, New Orleans because all we cared about is they were going for it one last time. Like they have no money. They're over the cap. Like they don't have a quarterback unless it's Taysom Hill, I guess. Like, I mean, they're in like a really interesting position all of a sudden. They're in a bad spot. It could go really bad really quick in New Orleans post Drew Brees it's kind of crazy I don't want to get into all this uh yet we'll have plenty of time to see where their offseason goes but it's not going to be easy to get back to contention no so no not at all very interesting stuff all right Mitch that's it for the divisional round uh again a great weekend of games and we'll have two more great ones this weekend which we'll get into later um but for now let's take a break let's hit a mid-roll uh, and when we come back, we'll get into a little bit of news uh, from the NFL and NBA and then uh, our new Mount Rushmore for this week. It'll be a good time. Stick around. We'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour, guys, and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back in to the Sports Hour with Mitch, Mo, and Dallin. We just covered the divisional round recap. We had quite a thorough recap, I think. We we had some good conversation there. But now we got a little bit of NFL news that we're going to get into really quick. Um, Let's start with Deshaun Watson, Dallin. Uh, The rumors are a Bruin, my friend. Yeah, it's uh, they keep they keep coming. So, uh, you know, things kind of started last summer when they traded DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, obviously, Deshaun Watson not very happy with that move. Uh, they go four and twelve this year. Fire the head coach, GM, everyone. He says, "I want to say in all these things." They say, "Great," and then they go hire Nick Casario without really talking to Deshaun. He feels some type of way about that. Doesn't feel wanted or sort of probably listened to within the organization. And it seems like he might want out. It's a really complex situation. He has a very big contract. Not so easy to get out of. He also has a no trade clause, which he can waive at any point. But it also means that he has control over where he gets traded. They cannot just take the best offer available Deshaun Watts could just turn that down. He can sort of dictate what teams may or may not bid for his services. Now, ultimately, Houston will do everything in their power to keep Deshaun Watson. And I ultimately think that is the best move because I, you know, I have no reason to to wish ill upon the Texans. I think the organization's kind of been a mess, but you don't like to see these quarterbacks move around. Hope they can make it work. But if he were to move around and get traded to another team. There are a few sort of obvious destinations already. Uh, We'll kind of talk about those here. Uh, Basically, uh, any of the first three picks (laughs) have been the ones mentioned. Uh, Yes, Jacksonville, uh, multiple first round picks, obviously the number one pick, the sort of prize. I don't think you trade Trevor Lawrence for Deshaun Watson. 
So I don't think that's likely, but technically a possibility. But it really is, Mitch, the Jets at number two and Miami at number three. Uh, Miami with multiple first-round picks, uh, potentially Tua in a trade back to Houston, or you move Tua for other assets, include that in your package to accrue more draft capital uh, and move move to get uh, Deshaun Watson, or it's the Jets with that number two pick, number two being really valuable because you get your pick of Fields, Wilson, etc. after Lawrence at three, you're dictated on what what happens at two. Uh, would the Jets want to go in that direction? I don't really know. Uh, what are your thoughts? What, is there a place in, that comes to mind and you're like, that not only makes sense, but would be really fun? Um, well, I got a couple. Miami would be fun, and I think it would involve Tua, and it would involve all of their first-round picks, including maybe a future. Um, oh, no doubt. I... I I think that Miami would be fun for him. I really like Atlanta as well. And there was a there was a picture taken of him, I guess wearing a, a an Atlanta Falcons jacket earlier this year. I mean, it's just a jacket, but you know, you're, you let your imagination take you All of a sudden trade go. rumors come out and people start remembering that jacket you wore 9 months ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, no, this was taken on January 15th. So Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, okay. This, so this was taken recent. 4 days ago. Uh, so, oh, so he's just stirring the pot. He knows how this works. Yeah. Come on. So, I mean, I I I like <laughs> Yeah, he's just stirring the pot. Just, you know, Deshaun being Deshaun. He's sipping the tea, you know? He's he Kermit with the tea. You he know is. that meme? Um yeah. it, but, you know, I think the interesting thing for me here is that he hasn't asked for a trade yet. I think he's just kind of forcing his hand for, and I guess it'd be a great PR move, I guess for him to like not ask for a trade and do all these things to force to get traded anyways, to get traded yeah. anyways. And um, it wasn't on you, but yeah, but he never explicitly asked for, for a trade. Um, I wouldn't rule out the Panthers either. You're Panthers. The Panthers, okay, so they have been this, like, I saw uh, Schefter get on ESPN and was like, and don't rule out the Carolina Panthers, David Tepper, you know, looking to make a big move, new owner. I'm like, bro, okay, L- listen, one, of course, I would love that. Who, What fan base would not want Deshaun Watson as their quarterback? Sure. But there is an, a, a really serious question about the amount of dra- draft capital that it takes to get somebody like that. I mean, we're talking about, you're giving up, you know, three or four, you know, you're giving up three to five first slash second round picks, right? Top 50, 60 picks. That's like five. That should be three to five starters on your roster, right? Like you should hit those picks. First, second round picks should be, you know, at least starter level players. Is that worth it? If you're Carolina? No. I think if you have extra draft capital like Miami and you already have a great team that could be winning right now with a vast improvement at that position. With a young quarterback to deal to you. With maybe, yes, and costs less draft capital because you're trading them back a top five pick from last year. Yes, I think that one makes sense. Uh, But I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what sort of offers. It's just going to take, like I said, four or five first and second round picks. And when you're talking about trading away that many starters for one guy at quarterback, unless your team's built to win now and you have all the infrastructure in place and that's the piece you're missing, it's not going to make sense for a lot of teams. It's not going to make sense for the Jets. It's not going to make sense for Jacksonville. 
You know, it's not even going to really, I love Atlanta, but I don't know, like, can you trade Matt Ryan back? How do you trade Matt Ryan to somebody else? How much dead money is on that deal? Are you, do you feel like you're really able to contend now with how bad that defense is? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see that. We don't see pieces like this become available that often, players of this magnitude. So if it were to happen, it would be something the likes of which we don't see in the NFL. Yeah, and I and I think honestly, if Eric Bieniemy gets hired as the head coach in Houston, I don't think these talks continue. Right, right. I think and ultimately I think this is stays, probably I think leverage. Stays if Eric is if Eric Bieniemy is hired, so and this is probably leverage to make sure they he gets his guy at head coach. Right. I mean, think about it. Like if you like you said, he didn't say he wants to get traded, but it's sort of been alluded to. It's understood that he might want out now. He doesn't feel listened to if he, you know, now the organization might actually listen to him and now they might actually get his guy. If he didn't do this, maybe they actually go hire whoever they want at head coach. They get Josh McDaniels, you know, (laughs) like so I, I don't know. Maybe that's the whole play here is just to be a part of the head coach hire. Nothing more. Maybe he actually wants out of Houston. We'll we'll see. This will play itself out over the next couple months before the NFL draft, no doubt. Um, But again, just unprecedented because we don't see these types of players at quarterback, especially, uh, become available like this and and, and potentially sort of force themselves out of a way, uh, out of a place the way that NBA stars have done. Right. Yeah. So. All right, Mitch. uh, The other news. I wanted to mention this real quick. Uh, Sarah Thomas will become the first woman to ref be an official in the Super Bowl this year. Which mm. I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. And I thought I don't I know we have a pit of misery. I think we need like a positive version of that to put people in when something good happens. I don't know what that would be, but I was thinking about that. I was like, I'll, we need an opposite of the pit of misery. I'll come up with something. I'll come up with something. Yes. That something where we could just some someone like this where it's like that's a real nice thing. You gotta win, you know you're you're doing your you know positive positive trend in the right direction you get uh, mount, opposite uh, epitome like, like mount know. like mount sports hour oh something like that yeah yeah something like that but anywho shout out to her that's great uh hopefully it's great officiating in the super bowl we always <laughs> we always hope uh mitch coaching hires We've had their seven job openings, and since we last recorded, five of them had filled. Like, over a few days, all of a sudden, everyone got hired, and it was just after we recorded last week. So we wanted to kind of hit these real quick here and there, quick thoughts. Urban Meyer to Jacksonville, Mitch, your thoughts? Good, bad, horrible, meh. What do you think? Great. Great. Great hire? Great hire. I mean, obviously, there's the argument of, like, college coaches don't translate well to the NFL, but... Um, everyone seems to look to like Bobby Petrino and Nick Saban as the poster child for that. But like everyone forget, or Chip Kelly, I guess would be another one that people look at, but everyone forgets like Jimmy Johnson came from the university of Miami. Pete Carroll came from USC. Like that, that's not necessarily true. There is a lot of, of college coaches that translate well to the NFL. Um, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the truth. So. I love Urban Meyer. Um, whether that's going to be a successful hire, uh, will that's yet to be seen. But we'll uh, we'll we'll see how it all pans out. But I love the hire in general. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like it too. And I think uh, for Urban, I mean, this is the best scenario to be in. Jacksonville with the number one pick, a.k.a. Trevor Lawrence. You can't get better than building off of a rookie quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, right? You have a ton of cap flexibility. You already have some good pieces. You're going to be able to appeal to people to come play with you and Trevor Lawrence. Like you're going to be able to get some free agents where Jacksonville maybe in the past hasn't been able to. I think depending on the staff that he puts together around him and the types of players they go get to surround this uh, young superstar quarterback they will have, it could turn really well, turn out really well in Jacksonville. And Urban Meyer picked a good spot to go because this is by far the best sort of situation of all of them. Uh, and the best place for him to succeed, no doubt. So I'm right with you there. Uh, the the golden hire, the, the the golden star, our number one candidate, the guy I think we liked the most was Robert Sala, right? Maybe yeah. aside from Eric Bieniemy, who has not yet been hired. But Robert Sala goes to the Jets in what is a fantastic hire for them. He's bringing over some Niners staff. You're going to get uh, Mike LaFleur, which is Matt LaFleur's younger brother, was the passing game coordinator in San Francisco, will now be the offensive coordinator in New York, presumably bringing the Shanahan sort of Niners offense over to New York. Sala will be over uh, the team now. And uh, I think, I mean, this was our guy. And I think New York made a great hire and someone who's very charismatic, uh, a minority. He's the first Muslim head coach. He was born in uh, Lebanon, I believe. Uh, So, you know, a diverse guy, a very charismatic guy, a fired up sort of uh, personality. I think he's going to do well in New York and hopefully bring attention and sort of reinvigorate uh, this franchise. I think this is a great, great hire. I mean, we talk about him playing under the Shanahan system, but a lot of people forget he also coached in the uh, Pete Carroll system. Yes, up so, in, yeah, during the Legion of Boom. So, like, th- this guy has quite the pedigree behind him uh, before he before he even got to Kyle Shanahan. Um, this is this is a fantastic—I'm a big Robert Sala fan. Big Robert Sala fan. I think he did a fantastic job with that San Francisco 49ers defense over the last four years, um, especially that Super Bowl run where they had that dominant defense. I mean, just uh, he, he is a he is a fiery, um, high energy type guy. And I think right now that's what New York needs. They they had the butthole Adam Gase uh, <laughs> at the helm for a long time, and he is. I mean, he is literally like. I don't know, a, a cup of, I, that, well, no. He's that's, the anti-Adam Gaze. Yeah, I mean. He's like Adam everything Gaze, that Adam Gaze isn't. He was, like, it's Adam like Gaze when you break up gray. with your ex and you find someone and it's just like they are a thousand times better than what you were dating. Why were you doing that? If I were that's, to, <laughs> that's the situation for the Jets If I right were to, <laughs> to draw an analogy of, of colors to coaches, Adam Gaze was the color gray. He was boring. He was... Blah. He was uh, you know, blase. He was. He was. He was awful, uh, personality-wise. He didn't know how to run a team. Robert Sala, man, he gets his players behind him, and it was very uh, evident in San Francisco what he did with with his guys and how much those guys got behind him, um, uh, leading that defense. And I think that he can do the same thing in New York. Um, it, 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 this is this is a fantastic hire for the New York Jets. I think the right guy for the job. I'm not saying immediate success, but man, you're going to be a hell of a lot better off with Robert Salad than you are Adam Gase. And I expect uh, a, a, maybe not a playoff appearance, but a but a significant improvement 
in the New York Jets just purely based off who the head coach is, who's at the helm. Uh, I love this hire. If Adam Gaze is gray, what color then is Robert Sala? Because you said you're going to use a color analogy. Robert Sala is uh, an entire box of Crayola crayons. I mean, this Uh, guy. Oh, he's every color? He brings everything to the table. He's emotional. He's he's enthusiastic. He loves everything about football. And, And it's obvious in the way he coaches. And you don't even have to have an insider knowledge on on. Robert Sala to know that that's the way he is. You can see it on Sundays on TV when you see him on the sidelines. This guy is just passionate about the game of football and what he's able to bring to an organization. I love this hire. I love Robert Sala. Um, and it just, uh, I mean, it, it, I can't say enough about the guy. I can't say enough about him. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, also, a wonderful uh, color analogy there. That was well done. I mean, am I wrong? And especially though? impressive, I mean, especially especially impressive for someone who's colorblind. You know, I am colorblind. Yes, I I, even, I, I mix up my how, greens and reds and my greens and browns, and my blues and purples. I mix them all up. <laughs> I just can't help but tease you. Okay, Arthur Smith gets hired by Atlanta. He was the offensive coordinator in Tennessee over the last couple of years, kind of leading to their success. Uh, I think this is a solid hire. He seems pretty well regarded around the league. Uh, I don't think it's like the flashiest tire. I think it's kind of like, okay. Um, I'm sure, uh, Atlanta fans are not like stoked about Arthur Smith. There was a lot of rumors of an interest in Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator, Carolina. I'm very glad that Brady did not get hired for that. Hopefully he stays OC, but man, if he went to a division rival and I had to face him in Atlanta, I'd be so mad. Uh, so I think Arthur, Arthur Smith is fine. I, I, I don't know. The the direction of the team remains to be seen, right? Matt Ryan's not the guy of the future. How that turns out, who the new quarterback is, there's time to tell him how that'll play out. But so far, as far as the hire goes, he seems uh, like he'll probably do a fine job. I don't I don't have any much to say about that. Yeah, I mean, what, what Arthur Smith had the last two years in Tennessee was, um, in my opinion, the best running back in football over the last two years, which is Derrick Henry. Um, the best true running back, excuse me. I, I, I should make that very clear. Um, what he's able to do, uh, in the run game. Um, he's not going to have that in Atlanta. I mean, there's a lot of questions about whether Todd Gurley could still do it or not. Uh, the direction as far as uh, personnel wise, what the, you know, the on-field product is going to be in Atlanta it is still kind of a question, a big question mark. So, um, I think Arthur Smith's going to have some things to figure out. Um, especially with, uh, are they going to keep around Matt Ryan? Or is someone else going to be under center? What are they going to have at their disposal on the outside? I know Calvin Ridley is still going to be there, but if is Julio Jones still going to be there? Um, what's their situation in the backfield going to be? They obviously have the worst defense in the NFL. Um, it 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 just uh, it, it's a big question mark really for Arthur Smith. Not me questioning his coaching ability or his talent as a coach. Um, there, there's just, uh, too many question marks right now to really, for me to definitively say that this was a good hire or not. No doubt. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what, uh, he and the new GM Fontanette do with, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, uh, do with the fourth overall pick. Cause they could be in a position to draft a quarterback of the future. They could be in a position to move back, move up. I mean, they're, they're at four, they're in a very interesting spot and that'll be very indicative of where the team's going to go over the next year or two. 
with how they handle that fourth overall pick and what they do with that. Uh, and that's and that's I think I'm what I'm sort of looking for is the f- sort of first move here. Uh, okay, uh, next hire we have uh, Brandon Staley, the D- young DC in the for the Rams gets hired as the head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. He doesn't even have to move, Mitch. Just gets to hang out in L.A. It's that's for, great. It's that's, good for him. Yeah, it's great. Great for him and the family if he does have that. But he is young. Like no head coach, like no head coaching, like experience, just this young defensive mind worked under Vic Fangio uh, in Chicago for a little bit, became the DC just this season in LA, uh, highly regarded by McVay. McVay was like, this is the guy, he's the next wave. And then we saw what he was able to do with the Rams defense this year. And Mitch, this was a defense. And we talked about this in the off season that that was the question about the Rams. That was the question. It wasn't how good the offense was. It was, what does the defense look like? The mid-level, that second level, there's a lot of holes. Like, I don't really, you know, like that was the issue. And that ended up being the clear strength of the team. I mean, that was the number one defense in the league. And credit to the talent on the team and also Brandon Staley for putting that together. Clearly impressive enough to earn himself a head coaching gig after one year. Because there's no sort of resume, because there's no sort of uh, a ton of experience here, Mitch, it's hard to say how it's going to go or how confident we are it's going to go. But clearly the way this guy has risen up, it seems like he's a special talent. Uh, and I can't wait to see what he does with some of those pieces in, in, in LA because Derwin James, Joey Bosa, like, holy cow, like this could be really fun. It could be really fun. It also could be disastrous. Um, I am not a big fan of someone who only has one year of experience as a coordinator in the NFL. Um, five years ago, he was coaching division three, John Carroll university. Um, I, I mean, enlighten me. If you've ever heard of that college, uh, I haven't, um, he's a young coach. Um, what, what troubles me is that he's a young coach that may have been given a great opportunity, but he may have been given a great opportunity just a little bit too early. Um, and, uh, Honestly, right now it just uh, he's he's in a good. I mean, it's a good situation to come into with, with Los Angeles because he's got pieces to build around and he's got pieces to work with, um, especially with Justin Herbert under center. But um, it I just I don't really care for the for the uh, knee jerk reaction hiring of a guy that has not really had a whole lot of NFL experience, especially at the corner. He's had one. He's had one. He's exceeded Phil Wade Phillips. Uh, this season so um outside of that he's only been a linebackers coach so and not only that an outside linebackers coach so he specifically coached a specific group of linebackers um so i i'm i don't really care for the hire i don't think it's the best hire that they could have gotten um i also was not a big fan of them firing anthony lynn but um you know I, this is a kind of wait-and-see type deal for me, um, but as of right now, uh, not a big fan of the Brian Staley hire. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's going to depend on the staff that he brings around with him, and it's very similar, I think, in some ways to the Sean McVay hire a couple of years ago, right? Now, obviously, he was the offensive mind, but not a lot of experience. And the the, the question was, well, who's he going to bring in? Well, he brings in defense mastermind Wade Phillips and. Uh, you know, he makes the Super Bowl in the first couple of years. Well, like McVay it turned out pretty different. good. McVay was and, and McVay, because he... and McVay, I'm not saying it's the same. I'm saying yeah. it's a similar with the experience and a lot of it's going to depend on the staff around him. 
And I don't know what sort of connection Staley has within the NFL to sort of accrue uh, an all-time staff, because as you mentioned, not a lot of experience there. So I think this is going to be a sort of growth. It might take some time, but I think that's fine because I don't think the Chargers are built to compete right now anyways. I mean, they got a quarterback in their second year who... Obviously, Herbert's very talented. You feel very positive about him moving forward, but you're also not in a huge rush. You could take some time. You could build this thing out. Uh, and, you know, you look at the division ahead of you, like Patrick Mahomes, the Chiefs, they're not going anywhere, and you've got to get past them every year. So, you know, it's going to take you time to get to that point anyways. So, I it, it is sort of knee-jerk, but I don't. the McVay hires have worked so far. LaFleur has just, all he's done is gone 13-3 and three in back-to-back seasons in Green Bay. So, who knows? I don't know. The McVay tree, so far, so good, right? Uh, sure, yeah, so far, so good. <laughs> it's got one little limb, but hey, that one little limb's hosting an NFC Championship yeah, even game, Bill, right? Even Bill Walsh's tree had some busts, so. No yeah, doubt, We're going right? to have to see... We're, we're, it's it's, a it's just way too early to, to tell with this guy. We just yeah. and exactly exactly that. That's hard to evaluate or say whether it's good or not. Time will tell that. Uh, the final one, Mitch Dan Campbell uh, to the Lions, tight ends coach in New Orleans, also assistant head coach, a guy that's just really involved in the coaching staff. Uh, gets hired for Detroit, comes high, pretty highly recommended. It seems like most people are really high on Dan Campbell. Um, again, I think it's going to be a matter of coaching staff with him. Uh, you know, who he puts around him to succeed and, and what that looks like. And and again, with the Lions, much like the Falcons, they're in a position in the draft, six, uh, seventh pick, right? Where do they go? What's the future of the team? What happens with Matt Stafford? A lot of questions to be had here. So I don't have a very strong opinion on Dan Campbell other than it wasn't, it doesn't seem like a dumb hire and that's good. Yeah. I mean, it, it, what, he had that run where he was an interim head coach in Miami a few years ago. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but you know, that's all I really know about the guy that he has ginormous biceps. Uh, Guns Mahoney. Is that right? Guns Mahoney oh. is what he's been called. I, I know by the fantasy footballers. So, oh, um, ginormous I mean... arms on the dude. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, again, a wait and see, a wait and see, um, I'm more interested right now to see where Matt Patricia is going to wind up rather than if Dan Campbell is going to pan out in Detroit because Detroit Detroit just has way too many question marks. Detroit just has way too many things they need to figure out before they're even. Yeah, they're in a bad spot. They're in a bad spot. It's hard to feel optimistic about them, no doubt. The final two openings, by the way, Philadelphia and Houston. Uh, You know, it's funny. Like, we talked about this after the first couple hires. I still think it's true after the five. There there hasn't been one scratch your head, like, what the hell are you thinking higher this year yet? And there's two still, there's still two openings, but at the same time, there's still, like, really good candidates available. I mean, we're talking about Eric Bieniemy, Leslie Frazier, the DC in Buffalo, I know has some interviews with these final two spots. I know Dennis Allen has an interview with Philadelphia. He's the DC in New Orleans. Like, any of those three guys would be incredible. And those aren't just the only list of Matt Eberflus, the OC in Indianapolis. So, like, we might get out of these seven coaching hires and be like, they actually did well. Like, or, or like, I don't know. Usually there's a couple stupid ones, but I'm impressed. No stupid hire so far. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, if Eric Bieniemy doesn't get a head coaching job, I'll be furious. And I will come on here and rant about it because this dude is more than a, more than deserving of getting a head coaching job. 
Um, you mentioned the name Leslie Frazier. I believe he was the head coach in Minnesota there for a time. Um, it might have been only a couple years, but he's got some head coaching experience. So, you know, there, there are definitely uh, a ton of viable options still out there, but you're exactly right. There's not a single hire so far where we're like, what the hell were they thinking? What what are they what are they doing hiring this guy? Uh, you know, there every every hiring's been solid so far, and it seems like it's been uh even if it's a gamble like the like the Brandon Staley deal over there in L.A. It it seems like a calculated gamble at least. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Something that you could understand why they would do it, and you figured somebody was going to do it. Like with how good that defense was and how much hype Staley was getting, somebody was going to hire him. And there are worse situations than Los Angeles, you know, well, for that. And we still got to see if Dable's going to get a get a job. Oh, so. that's a great – yeah, Brian Dable. I, I did hear, though, that he has pulled his name out of the final two openings. So it seems like he's content going back to be the OC in Buffalo and give it a shot next year. I like that, too, um, and I like that, too. Which I think him. is better because I don't yeah. think Houston and Philly – I don't think anyone should be running to either of those teams. Right. <laughs> so I would uh, I better to just to. wait. Yeah, if <laughs> so. I'm any of those guys, if I'm – enemy honestly like i'm just like no nah, i'm good I'll, I'll just wait another year right you know like why why would you run to they gotta they that to sell you on that you right that to really sell you but anyhow all right well we'll uh we'll continue to talk about those uh, those hires as they um ultimately get made there for the texans and the eagles mitch that's it for the nfl talk a little nba here just wanted to mention this broke last week uh, the James Harden trade. We we mentioned this as a possibility in the offseason. We didn't really know when it was going to happen or if, but it officially did. James Harden ended up in Brooklyn teaming up with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Four-team trade, huge package going back and forth. I mean, we're talking like six picks, right? Four pick swaps with the Nets and the Rockets. Uh, Victor Oladipo ends up from Indianapolis to Houston. Karis LeVert ends up in Indiana. And oddly enough, in his physical, it's revealed uh, I don't remember exactly what the medical issue was, but it was like borderline life-threatening. Yeah. That no, that was unknown to him other than, you know, the only way he found out was to be getting this physical to be traded. So if he wasn't traded, like, he would have gone unknown with this medical issue that he has. So he won't be playing for Indiana, but, uh, you know, came over in the trade. Big deal, Mitch. Um is this the right move, and how do you feel about Brooklyn now in in the Eastern Conference? You know, I feel like Brooklyn should be respected as a top contender. However, I don't think this is going to work. This, yeah, and, we both are, and, we both are pretty skeptical on and this. We, and we talked about this when we talked about the possibility of a trade to Brooklyn with with James Harden, and um, I think the the uh, the the term I used was too many cooks in the kitchen. And right now there's too many cooks in the kitchen. There's too many mouths to feed in this, in this offense. Um, someone's going to have to play second fiddle. And when you have guys like Kevin Durant, James Harden, and well, I, I guess Kyrie, but Kyrie hasn't been showing up to ball games recently. Yes. Just reported back to the team like today. So, so. <laughs> I mean, if there's anyone that's going to have to, probably play second fiddle and be okay with it it's going to be Kyrie because he hasn't been able to show up um it's going to be Kyrie but knowing the egos of knowing the ego of Kyrie Irving and then uh, the the 
ego of James Harden and the prominence of Kevin Durant, none of one of neither one of those guys is going to want to play second fiddle. Um, we saw it with the last big three. I think that we saw um, where it was three superstars together, and the last one I can recall, and I'm sure there's been other is there's been other instances, but I think this is the most prominent one we can mention is Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh. Chris Bosh obviously played second fiddle to um, Dwayne and LeBron. And someone's going to have to do that. I don't think either one of them are willing to do that. And I think if there's going to be one guy that's going to have to do it, it's going to be Kyrie. And Kyrie was tired. That's why he left Cleveland. He was tired of doing you know, That's why he was, you know, he was. And that's why he left Boston. And why he left <laughs> Boston. Tatum and Brown. He you was know? tired it's of like... doing it to LeBron. And he was tired of doing it to Tatum and Brown. Third time's so... the charm. No, it's going to work this time, Mitch, because he really decided this time he's cool yeah. with it. I mean, I Because winning a, hard time a championship seeing... with LeBron James wasn't good enough. Like, he wasn't satisfied by that. But sure. He'll share the ball with James Harden and Kevin Durant. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that, like that's going to happen. I right. Mean, like, that, why now? Why in 2021 is all of a sudden Kyrie going to change who he is? That and the Nets give up. Years? The Nets give up essentially th- their next seven years yes, of first round draft picks. picks, four picks and four swaps. But they lose control of the next seven years of their yeah. first round picks, and. In, a, in addition to giving up Karis LeVert. So, you know. And, and more and Jared too, Allen, LeVert, and Jared Allen, Tarin Prince, Karooks. I mean, that's I mean, four bench players. This just seems way overpaid. This just seems way overpaid for something that eventually they're going to go, that this didn't work. And this Nets franchise is going to be set back again once they figure out that these three can't play well together. Um, because there's too many scores to, to try to feed the ball to. And it's just... It it I hate it for I hate it for Brooklyn, but at the same time it's like, well, what the hell did you expect? Like, how could you right. have not even thought about this before you made this deal? You you obviously just saw star, you had stars in your eyes when you saw James Harden was available and that you had things to give to them. Um, but you know now you're going to be kicking yourself for the next ten years because you made this dumb trade with James Harden. This this I- is the worst trade in Nets history. And Ooh, I, no, 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 no. That that Boston trade where they they mortgaged their entire last decade for aging Paul Pierce and Kevin Dur- Kevin Garnett was way worse. Well, then this is at least one B or number two because you will I, you will not you will not win a title with all three of those. I know it's star studded, but you cannot win a title with feeding all three of these mouths. You just can't do it. All right. Well, I so I, I I agree with you in a lot of your sentiments, but I'm going to play devil's ad- advocate here for a little bit. One, I think it's all worth it if you win a title. One title is all it takes. Like I I don't like we talk about sports and dynasties all that. Like how many franchises have not even been to a finals or a Super Bowl, let alone won one? I mean that is the ultimate goal. If you win one and it costs you eight years of whatever, like I think that is worth it. I also look at this like a long-term plan. Like you made big moves for Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. You've already made those sacrifices. You jumped into this wagon. This is just pushing the the pedal down and saying, we're, we're moving forward with this. And it's also Kyrie Irving insurance, Mitch, because there's no guarantee that Kyrie Irving is even going to play for you 
going to be happy with you, going to want to move on in a year. Like, you could plan on this KD-Kyrie thing forever. Kyrie was supposed to be the young piece of that. Like, KD's in his 30s. Like, Kyrie's supposed to be the young, like, build around him for the future piece. Like, you cannot rely on Kyrie Irving. We've, we've seen that. So, is trading for James Harden Kyrie Irving insurance? Absolutely. It allows you, let's say after this year, you realize this Kyrie thing, it's not going to work. We have to dump ship. You can, because you still have Kevin Durant and James Harden. If you don't make the Harden trade, now it's KD and who else? Now you've got to try to flip Kyrie for a star, which isn't going to work. You're not going to get a star in return. You're going to end up with the John Wall Westbrook situation, and that's not going to bring a championship. Harden would. So I, I, on the one hand, I'm very critical and I, and I agree with your criticisms. On the other hand, you put yourself in this position when you signed Katie and Kyrie in the first place. This is just doubling down on your effort, which I understand because you already made that decision. And if you're looking at his Kyrie insurance and, and, and knowing that you have Katie plus a superstar for the next three to five years or whatever, I get that. And I think that's the right decision then. I, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you there. I can't do that, but man, you just invested so much in insurance on a guy that you paid that you don't even know is going to play or not. That's way too much. That's like, I mean that as normal people, that's why we try to find the best deal insurance wise. And what they did was they just paid way too much for insurance. That's all they did. You well, could, I mean, it's not just insurance, because if it does work, then you, well, you have just an MVP in, in, in Harden, an MVP in KD, and Kyrie Irving. Like, that's the best case scenario. But that was your, that was the premise of your whole argument was it's insurance. I'm saying it's also not the whole, that's not the whole reason you trade for James Harden, but like, that has to play a factor in it, and it's a smart reason but to I don't think, think about. But I don't think, I don't even think if all three play, they're gonna, there's gonna be enough to go around for him. So that much talent can work. Now, a question of it, whether it does or not is the question, but to think that it couldn't work. When was the last time we saw all three, we saw three scores of that caliber work. We never have. That's the thing. We never never have. have. Even Chris, like the Chris Bosch like thing isn't fair. Cause that there's one big guy in the Kevin love and in Cleveland was the same way. There's one big guy that gets relegated to something else, right? Like, and they're not the star. This is not the situation in Brooklyn. These are three wing players you know, wing, uh, you know, stars, scorers. This is a different dynamic. And we've never seen this work. I don't know if it's going to or not, but I don't think it's fair to say it can't. I absolutely think it could. It could be extremely successful. I wouldn't bet on it though. That's, you know what I mean? I'm with you on that. I, I'm not betting the over on them, but I do get it. And I guess if you're going to make these moves for Katie and Kyrie, why the hell not <laughs> get James Harden too, I guess, right? Maybe see if the Lakers will trade LeBron, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe you could trade them your arena. Well, no, that's absurd. That's absurd. <laughs> we can't even we can't even talk about that. But I mean, uh, yeah, you're you're the NBA guy here. I'll take your expertise on that. But I just don't see how it's ever going to work. I mean, I'm not saying trade them the arena. That was that's a joke. Okay, all right. <clears throat> okay, um, Mitch. Anything else here? Can we move on? Let's move on, man. Let's move on. All right. Mount Rushmore. What do we got this week? Mount Rushmore. This week, we got Cleveland. So, we have done 
Chicago. We've done Los Angeles. We've done Seattle. And last week, we did... Remind me here. We did Boston. We did Boston. Now we're on to Cleveland. And uh, I'll tell you, Dallin, Cleveland, there's a... This was a tougher one. This was definitely a tougher one. Yeah, not quite as obvious with, like, the star. I mean, obviously, like, L.A., I mean, that's easy. Even, like, Seattle, Boston, very easy. Cleveland is a little more difficult with the sort of star power. I mean, yeah, there's some obvious ones. We're talking about Cleveland, Ohio. Like, But, you know, getting four names together was a little difficult, I will say. Yeah, I, I think you just, at one point when we were making this list, you said, can we just do LeBron James four times? I did. I did think about that. I thought that would be easy. But and I told you, it's your list. You can do whatever the hell you want. I know what I'm going to do. But, you know, you do you, boo. You do I did you. not. I did. Oh, you didn't. Okay, good. I good. didn't. I'm glad to hear I know. That. I thought I really, I really did think about it. But, no, we went with the real. Uh, so, okay, Mitch, let's start. Let's start with that guy then, the Let's number one guy on the list, yeah. LeBron James. Obviously makes the list. Could have made the entire amount Rushmore. Could be four LeBron faces, and that would have been great. Um, LeBron means everything to Cleveland. He represents that whole area, what it stands for, you know, the successes, being a kid from Akron, just south of Cleveland, getting drafted by the hometown team, bringing them the first title, uh, the title drought for the city, et cetera, et cetera. What else is there to say? It's LeBron freaking James, you know? St. Vincent High School, like, come on go Irish um yeah I mean nothing else you could say I mean LeBron James is a shoe-in he was a shoe-in um second one I'm gonna do so LeBron I don't even think we need to waste time on LeBron because it's obvious right yeah yeah so let's move on to Jim Brown yes so Jim Brown um part of those Browns teams that won NFL championships uh regarded as one of the greatest football players of all time regardless of era just because of his dominance um had an actual uh really uh, comparatively speaking as far as greats go a, a shorter career i believe he only played nine years um uh but but left as one of the nfl's leading rushers uh at the time that he retired and um it then became a great civil rights activist um outside of it and uh has continued to be revered as just one of the greatest football players of all time jim brown was an easy shoe in as well yeah, uh, the greatest Brown of all time in, in the NFL, as far as the team he played for and last name, I would argue. Um, yeah, Jim Brown is great. It was too perfect. That was, yeah. that was, that was another easy one. Uh, here's where the list gets hard for me, Mitch. Uh, I'm not going to lie. These last two, I kind of, uh, I don't want to say I, like, I didn't just do whatever. I have a reason for putting these players, but it was hard for me to decide on like a LeBron, Jim Brown, easy, everything after that. I had no idea where to go. So my third player on the Cleveland Mount Rushmore is Joe Thomas, the great okay. tackle from the Cleveland Browns, because Joe Thomas sort of represents Cleveland and what it means. Hardworking people that just don't get enough credit. Just things just don't go their way in sports. Cleveland lost a bunch while Joe Thomas was there, but Joe Thomas was probably the best tackle of the entire league that entire time. And he continued to do what he needed to do despite everything going on around him. And that means a lot to me. And I love that guy for it. 
So Joe Thomas ends up on my Mount Mount Rushmore. The great Cleveland Browns offensive lineman. I love that. Actually, I I do love that. I do love that. But I went with a different Cleveland Brown. Uh, I went with Bernie Kosar. uh, Oh, yeah. Who was a Browns quarterback that uh, was actually coming into a time where the Browns were in one of their down periods. Um, Through the 70s, they were just not a very good football team. This was post-merger. Um and he really stepped in and they he was a integral part um in that that Browns search through surgeons through the eighties where they were making AFC title games, um, AFC divisional games, um, coming out of the University of Miami, coming up to a completely different climate and leading uh this Cleveland team. And and for the same reasons you said about Joe Thomas, like uh this kind of grittiness, the kind of uh personifies what what Cleveland is all about. Bernie Kosar was the same thing. He was gritty. Um he 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 was a he was a hard fighter. Um it, and I think that Bernie Kosar and what he meant to 80s Browns football um and especially the resurgence of that franchise post merger, I think that he ter- definitely deserves to be uh on this Mount Rushmore. No, that's a great one. Uh, I don't look at quarterbacks that are older than like 40 players older than like 40 years, except for, I guess, Jim Brown. So that's why I didn't put him on, but I respect that you dig back into the annals of history a little bit and try to give credit where credit is due. I don't, I am completely like, I focus on my era and that grew up in, and that's what I care about. But I, I'm glad that you bring some historical perspective to this podcast. It's important. I can't help but do it because, uh, I, uh, I appreciate um, not just history in itself, but sports history. And um, I think it's important to know uh, your history, uh, uh, regardless if it's sports or not. So, um, yeah, I will I will gladly dig back into the into the annals of history to to find uh, these important figures. But, Dallin, you and I were talking before and I told you you were missing a big one. As far as Cleveland yeah. Mount Rushmore goes, that wasn't it. No, that was not it. Okay, because I didn't know that one either. And but okay, which is okay. Yes, we need to do the one you missed because I have a very shameful pick. So well, you go first. Go with your shameful pick first. No, 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 no. We need to go with yours first. Okay. Trust me. Larry <laughs> Doby. I have no idea who that is. Larry Doby is the first African American player to play in the American League. So, oh, that's great. So there was Jackie Robinson who broke the color barrier with the Dodgers. Larry Doby was that for the AL. Um, he broke in with the Cleveland Indians um, in 1947, played through 1959, um, and there, there's actually even a, a song about him um, uh, that actually in my high school foot in my high school baseball days it got played over the loudspeaker all the time. Cleveland's got Larry Doby, Brooklyn's got Brooklyn's got Jackie Robinson uh, is the is the main lyric huh. in that line. Um, uh, Larry Doby, uh, the first African American player to break through to break the color bla- color barrier in the American League. Um, I feel like that um, not only his importance to Cleveland sports, but his importance to um, uh, African Americans in in sports and in baseball in particular. Uh, absolutely, you have to put them on on his list. Yeah, on that's Rushmore. that's just a great one, Mitch. That's just fantastic. That's spot on. Well, thank you. Well, okay, oh, so what's man. your shameful pick then? <laughs> well, okay. Mitch had a good pick, guys. I hope, and I didn't. Okay, so I didn't know who else to put here. 
right? That's LeBron, fine. Cleveland's a tough Jim one. Jim Brown, Cleveland's Joe tough. Thomas. I don't know. Kyrie Irving, Jim Tomey. Come on, I'm not gonna put freaking Jim Tomey. I mean, out I here. love Jim Tomey. Jim Tomey's great, but not. This is who not, I went not with. Not Rushmore, though. Not Rushmore. This with. is who I went with, Mitch. Who'd you go with? Hugh Jackson. And this is why. Well, that's without, been another episode of the Sports Hour. With, Thanks for tuning in. Without, without a three thirty-six and one record with the Cleveland Browns, they would not be in the position that they are in today, winning their first playoff game in twenty-five years, attending their first playoffs in twenty years. Because Hugh Jackson was so inept and so horrible, they lost so much. They could end up with Baker. They could end up with the roster they had. It's because of Hugh Jackson. Put him on the Rushmore. Thank you, Hugh. 8.8% winning percentage, the worst record that a head coach has recorded while presiding over an NFL team for the last 40 years. There you go. I wish we had video on this podcast, Al. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to see your face. The disrespect. (laughs) How how much did you not expect that? No, no, shut up. Shut up. (laughs) The disrespect. You have shown to the city that you so love, apparently, that you you cringe at the fact that I say it's the worst city in America. You cringe at that fact and you get so defensive. And the disrespect you show the city of Cleveland by putting Hugh Jackson on that. I don't even care what you do for your punishment. You're still in the pit of misery. That is blasphemous. <laughs> blasphemous what you just did. Hugh Jackson? Hugh Jackson! You got to be out of your damn, you are out of your skull. You're out of your damn mind for putting Hugh Jackson. No, no, you don't get to speak. You don't get to speak here, Dallin. You don't get to speak because what you just did was unbelievable. I cannot believe that you would even consider Hugh Jackson to be on the Mount Rushmore of Cleveland sports. You are an absolute blasphemous human being. You are a disgrace. Disgrace! If he, was, if he wasn't so bad, they they wouldn't be where they are. That's all I'm saying. I don't know what no, to tell no, no, you, no, no, Mitch. No, no, no. The city no, no. of Cleveland they are better where they stars. are because the of city, Hugh Jackson. The city they are the where Cle- they the are city. because of Hugh Jackson. Right. They, it's they, a good thing. He deserves no, it. No, it's Listen, not. They spent years of misery. I'm not trying to just... 16. Only the second old... The second, only the second right. franchise ever do that. Because right. of Hugh and Jackson. And Baker out of Ale. Yeah, congratulations. You got Baker Mayfield. Good job, Hugh. Uh, listen, I'm not trying to justify. I'm going to blow not my a good brain pick. vessel. I know. Listen, a blood vessel it, in my brain because of you. You're telling me it's legitimately more fun and entertaining to put Jim Tomey on the list? Come on. I think it's more entertaining now because now you got me in a screaming, screaming fit now. You got me, you got me all I'm riled so up now. You got me all riled up. Ooh, well, that's the Mount Rushmore. Mitch had LeBron <gasps> James... Jim Brown, Bernie Kosar, and sorry, give me the name. Oh my God, you, you, you're so disrespectful. Larry, I don't remember Larry the... Doby. Remember Larry his... Doby. Thank you. I'm not gonna mispronounce the man's name. I'd rather you just say it. Larry Doby. It's fine. I have LeBron remember James, the Jim name. Brown. I cannot believe you. I cannot believe you. Joe Thomas and Hugh Jackson. Okay, uh, <clears throat> Mitch. Uh, let's let's get in the final. Dude, I've just yes. I've just come off like a crazy person. I've just come off like a crazy person now. Because of, Why? Uh, because of because of your pick for Mount Rushmore and putting Hugh, Hugh Jackson on. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't now a I'm good a crazy pick. person. Now I'm well, a crazy I mean, person because you said that. Thank you, Dallin. Well, I, I mean, I didn't make you. Okay, 
I don't. I don't know if it's my fault, but it's fine. It's, it's got to be. I mean, who else's fault is it? <laughs> I, guess, I guess so. Uh, Mitch, I didn't come up. We didn't talk about a punishment for me at all this week. Uh, what am I supposed to do here before we get into our quick picks? Well, you had haikus. Well, uh, here, here's the deal. is Now you're not getting out of the pit of misery because right. you, you put Hugh Inevitably, because yeah. I put Hugh Jackson on the map. So, oh, which, listen, I last week I, I understood my punishment. I didn't really like it. This one I totally accept. I understand. I know what I was doing. Look, I I just need you to say. Once you talk about, I I don't even know what I want you to talk about, Alan. I don't even know what I want you to talk about. I want you to get creative here. We're, we're next week. We will, I will have a concrete, set in stone thing that I want you to say. But you know, it's your punishment. You need to come up with with what with what you're going to say about me because I'm King Mitch and I shouldn't have to do that because I rule over this realm. So. <laughs> delegation classic leadership classic classic leadership quality it's great um huh well um i'm gonna first say that i don't actually believe hugh jackson deserves to be on the mount rushmore of cleveland sports i know i know what i was doing okay but here, i deserve here, to be in the I'll, pit of i will offer um, you a consolation here Dallin. if you can really hit this out of the park okay i will get you out of the pit of misery oh but you have to, I mean, Grand Slam, nail it, home right. run. So you have to nail this if you want out of the pit of misery. Nail what? Th- this punishment. You have to You have to be. You I have to, to come up with something off the top of my head, and then I have to nail it. That's what you're saying? Well, yeah. After the, well, then after just the stick my ass in the pit of misery. Week. No, after the because I'm you not capable of doing that. Well, after the stunt you pulled last week, and then you put Hugh Jackson on Mount Rushmore for Cleveland. Yeah, you better nail it. Mitch, I think here's I think that you looked more handsome without hair than I look with hair. And I mean that. I don't know about that. I mean that. I don't know about that. Mitchell, hit my music. I'm, I'm because I'm we're gonna jealous. put down on the spot right now. Hit my that music. Was, that was all I had. That was all I came up with. Uh, I don't know. You no, know, you, you don't grow, get off like that, Dallin. You could grow a better beard than me. Well, okay, but we gotta give me prep, right? I'm like, what? All, like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm supposed so, to freestyle so now you, this. So now you want to take a week off? Well, I don't want to take a week off. I'm just saying. Well, you're taking you, a week. You off. expect me to to nail this? You know, like I can't. I just, I'm not an animal. Pre- I, I don't just perform. Prepare. You, you know, don't give you, me a cracker no. and tell me to mush. No, no, no. You know what the punishment is. I expect you to. I don't. I don't. I thought. I thought. I was under the impression we were gonna. You were gonna tell me what you wanted me to do. But no, 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 no. You, you know what? You know what the deal is. You know what the shtick is. You want me to do a haiku every week? Is that what you're asking? I don't, want you, I don't think no, you want no, that. I don't want your shitty haikus every week. <laughs> no, I. I think that you. I think that you know what the punishment is. I think you could prepare for it, and I think if I want an amendment put in there, I should t- I should let you know about it beforehand. And sure, I didn't let you know about it beforehand, but I think that I think that you know that you should just talk about how awesome I am and how you know how I rule my kingdom here. On this how you rule your kingdom? Well, I think you rule your kingdom great. I think you're very just with the way that you put dole out punishments in the pit of misery. I think all of those are just done with perfect decision making and. Uh, without question, you know, your pit of misery selections are just A+. All right, well, you're going to stay in the pit of misery again, I guess, until next week. So, I mean, I told you you have to nail it, and you couldn't do it off the top of your head. So, I'm not an elephant. You know, I'm not a circus <laughs> elephant. 
I'm a human being. Dance, monkey, dance! Exactly. <laughs> I don't just put on a hat and strut my stuff out there and fine. sell here, tickets. All right. Here. All right. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. Listen, I deserve to be in the pit of misery with the huge accident. It's fine. It's fine. Well, it's not but just next it's week, not just let's just prepare. Test. All I'm saying is next week let's just prepare and I will knock it out of the park. Okay, you know? that's fine. I can do a good job. That's fine. You know what? And you know, because obviously you need help with it, I'll I'll, I'll give you help with it. That's not fine. a not a freestyle guy. I could never freestyle when I was a rapper. Uh, you, but you never freestyle. But you're D O P E. You're doing right, but the I could write. I could write a verse. You should be able to nobody freestyle. nobody expects me to free. Well, I, oh yeah, you're right. So, I so. Great point. Checkmate, my friend. Checkmate. <laughs> Holy cow. All right, Mitch. Uh, the championship weekend. Here, two okay, great no, games. Last, last thing. You have to do it for a minute now. You have to do it for a minute now. I have to do what for a minute? Because you skipped out on the 30 seconds here this week. So you, you have. So you have to make I mean, up I just it. gave you a bunch of stuff. What do you mean? I said nice things. Dallin, I didn't you have saying hair. I didn't say nice Dallin, things? Dallin, I didn't have hair. I didn't have hair. Well, you give me something, I'll do something next week. All right, I got, I got to have something. I'll you do just okay. don't like championship. You, you just don't like losing. I'm okay with doing a punishment. I cannot be expected to just out of nowhere just decide to give them a monologue on how great you are. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's what okay? the punishment I is. Stuff out. The punishment is that I'll do that every week with preparation. The punishment is not like you can call me up in the middle of the night and say, "Tell me how great I am right now." No, 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 no. Just, I would never. And do I'm that supposed off to just air. recite sonnets. No, of I would love never do that. Off like air. I'm Shakespeare. I want it on okay, air. I want it on air so everyone can hear. <laughs> That's all I want. Okay, championship weekend. <laughs> Sorry. I'm sorry. A contrast sorry. of uh, matchups here at quarterback. You've got Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on the one hand, and you've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on the other hand. Uh, very sort of representative of what the NFL is right now. And in these two leagues, respectively, the NFC and the AFC, the AFC kind of has this the young quarterback talent. The NFC, uh, a lot of the older talent that's going to be passing on here in the next couple years. I say passing on like they're going to die. Uh, they're not going to die. Yeah. They're just going to retire. Uh, but... Uh, sort of a changing of the guard, if you will. Uh, Tampa Bay at Green Bay. We got into these teams sort of at length earlier. Uh, to me, this is Green Bay's game to lose. I don't think they're going to lose. I think Green Bay is going to get it done. They're a very well-balanced team. They can play great defense. They can play great offense. They can air the ball out. They can run the ball down your throat. Uh, the mix of running backs is excellent. Devontae Adams is arguably unstoppable. I mean... It is what it is. Aaron Rodgers are playing at a very high level. It that thirteen and three record last year looks like they were six and ten compared to what thirteen and three looks like this year for this Green Bay Packers team. And they look incredible. Uh, so I'm taking Green Bay to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, like you know, you hit the nail on the head there. Two very different thirteen and three records. Um, uh, Green Bay definitely looks like a thirteen and three team. Um, they're playing Tampa Bay, great defense, but uh, again, like I said earlier, very streaky team. Um, right now the line is Green Bay minus three. Um, I had the over under pulled up earlier, and now it's gone. Um, but whatever the over under is, I'm probably taking it because these are two these are two offenses that can be prolific at any point. Um, but I'm gonna take the Packers line right now at minus three. Uh, give me the Packers. Uh, this is their game to lose. Uh, they should be the representative in the NFC in the in the Super Bowl. Yeah, no doubt. I 100% agree. Okay, Mitch. Uh, in the AFC, it's Bills at Kansas City. Now, we talked about the Mahomes concussion. Uh, we are, we're going to make this pick assuming that he plays. 
Because that seems like the most likely scenario that he's going to end up playing in this yeah. game. So, yeah. So with him playing in this game and being a measure of healthy, now he's not going to be – it's not like we can take the injury away. He also has a foot injury on top of that. You know, he's somewhat, you know, hobbled. But he's playing in this game at 70%. Uh, who are you picking to win this? Right now the line is Kansas City minus three. Kansas City's a fantastic team, but I love underdogs. Give me Buffalo plus three in this. Um, and to cover this, I think it's going to be a one-score game. Um, I love Buffalo in this. I want to see a Buffalo-Green Bay Super Bowl matchup. Give me Buffalo. I think Buffalo is going to be a very popular pick, uh, not just because of the Mahomes. Even with Mahomes healthy, I think Buffalo would be a trendy pick. We like to see a different team, right? Kansas City won it last year. It's kind of boring. We all love Mahomes, but nobody, you know, it's like LeBron. Like, you know, like LeBron, but you don't want to see him go to eight straight finals, right? You want somebody different. Buffalo is going to be a trendy pick, but I think... Even without Mahomes, I'd still pick Kansas City in this game. And I'm going to pick Kansas City, but I would pick Kansas City with Chad Henney. I really would. I think Buffalo is a great team, but they don't seem like they're quite there. Kansas City, to me, seems like the better team. Kansas City seems better prepared to win this game. And I think there's some obvious sort of weaknesses in the Buffalo uh, on this Buffalo team, presumably, uh, specifically an offense with what we saw last week and their inability to run the game throughout this, uh, run the ball throughout this season. Uh, making them one-dimensional and telling them to be, to outscore you when you have Patrick Mahomes is just not a scenario I think Buffalo is going to win. So I'm going to take Kansas City in this one. I think we're going to see a lot of Buffalo picks, uh, and the and the health of Patrick Mahomes obviously is huge here. But even without, I'd still pick I'd still pick the Chiefs. Okay. I'm feeling confident in the Chiefs, and I you know what? Part of it too, Mitch, is I picked them in the preseason and. Part of me feels like I need to stick with that for some reason. Well, you probably should. You probably should. So I think that's just. I, I mean, I also picked the Seahawks in the <laughs> NFC. So that's clearly not going to happen. <laughs> no, but, yeah. you know, no, that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. You win some, you lose some. Yeah, definitely. Well, all right. So we pick, both pick Green Bay. You pick Buffalo. I pick Kansas City. That Buffalo-Kansas City game, wow. I mean, both these games are going to be great. Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers in the NFC Championship. Like, holy cow. And then these two young quarterbacks. Uh, this, this The whole playoffs has been great to watch, but uh, it's really coming down. I think these are probably the four right teams, knowing what we know about the season up until this point. I think these are probably the right matchups. Yeah, I think I think once we saw the whole season play out, this definitely seems like uh, the the four right teams are here, and um, I'm I'm confident that the the right teams will be in the Super Bowl. I, I and that being uh, Green Bay and Buffalo. So yeah, and we'll find out, and and just uh, under three weeks away from the Super Bowl already. <laughs> like holy cow, it's coming up quick. It's coming. Up it real seriously quick. is. It seriously is. It's insane. But uh, anywho, guy, all right, well, that is it for our picks, Mitch. Uh, and that is going to do it for the podcast today. Thanks for sticking around and hanging out with us. We appreciate it as always. Uh, as you heard in the mid-roll and the pre-roll, uh, if you haven't already, check us out on Anchor. Anchor.fm slash the Sports Hour Guys is where you can find us. You can listen to all the podcasts there. You can uh, become a monthly supporter like Sammy and David did uh, and – contribute to the uh, podcast monthly, become a permanent part of the show. You can also leave us voice messages with your thoughts, uh, takes, 
questions uh, about what we've talked about uh, or what we do talk about on a week-to-week basis. Uh, We'd love to hear from you there. Uh, So if you use Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or another platform and you haven't checked it out yet, we invite you to get the app, uh, Anchor. I think you'll really like uh, the way way to use it, and most of your podcasts that you listen to should be able to be found on there as well. Yeah, and if uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and you know give us a listen on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, just like what Dallin just described. Go ahead and go down there and leave us a rating and review. Tell us we suck. That's the only way we can get better, right, D? It is the only way that we can get better. Uh, all right, guys, thanks for hanging out. We appreciate it. It's been a good time. Uh, next week, Mitch, we will know the Super Bowl matchup. And we'll have two fun weeks to get ready for it. That'll be a ton of fun. Oh, hell yeah. It's going to be a blast. It's going to be a blast. We look forward to it, guys. Appreciate you sticking around. And we will catch you next week. See ya. See ya.